fans, welcome to another episode of Ruby Redux here on Rooster Team Radio. Tonight we are talking about the final episode this volume, Volume 8, Episode 14, The Final Word. But guys, I'm not going to be able to do this by myself. I, your humble host, Megan Salinas, there's just too much to go over. So let me go ahead and introduce my wonderful co-host. Joining us tonight is the wonderful Katie Cullen. It's the final chapter. Okay, yep. Now that we've blown out the levels for Mark. (laughs) Sorry in advance. And also joining us is the lovely Stacey Shuttleworth. The expectations are too high for me to follow up that with how broken I am this week. (laughs) Hey, 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 there are no expectations here. This is a safe space. We're just here to talk about our feelings. (laughs) <laughs> Stacy, this is how I cope with ridiculous bullshit. You know this by now. Don't follow my example. <laughs> we know and appreciate. <laughs> <laughs> and also joining us is the fantastic Internet's Mark B. Donica. I've just been dabbing the whole time to make myself feel better. And that's not even that's not even a, a, a gimmick. I've actually been dabbing this whole time for some reason. I don't know why. This drink's getting low, though. I was going to mm. say, is it working? Mm. I feel like I should yeah. try it. It might help. Yeah, th- yeah, it's working. Oh, wait, the drink, the drink or the dabbing? <laughs> That's what we wanted to know. Same mm. hat. I need to I need to keep this for the whole show. Mm. <laughs> ah, I mean, delicious. you might want to give your neck a break in the middle there. Oh, you meant the drink. Yeah, I d- did ah. I? Did you? We'll, we'll never, never know. know. <laughs> <laughs> oh. How many, we're all, like, each of us are wearing different hats, but also the same one. It's bizarre. Because they're all hats. This is why I miss recording in person, is, like, all of the weird hat stacks that we've been gathering throughout the years that yeah. nobody sees. We, we honestly, it, they're a bunch of arsenic cyanide hats, so that they're the same type of hat, but they're all unique. All very, very different. They say very similar things but they all have distinct lettering on them so you say that the hat? who's got the trash hat who's got the i'm daddy hat who's, who's got the various i love arsenic cyanide all right they're great like i don't have one of each if i wasn't moving i would be wearing each of those hats presently I'm not surprised you bought the simp hat. And also, it's very, very cute. Uh, Because it's the best, and I love it. (laughs) (laughs) Well, guys, we can't stand outside here all night long. We've got a show to cover. So please, everyone, step into our humble abode and let's talk about Ruby. Um, Before we we really get into the nitty-gritty of the show, we wanted to remind everybody, though, that if you haven't had the chance already, you guys should definitely check out the audio drama series that we produce here on Rooster Team Radio called Welcome to Vale. It's sort of our take on um, what would happen if the world of Welcome to Night Vale kind of existed within the world of Remnant. And we we came up with that idea several years ago, and then we just kind of ran with it. And uh, we, if you're looking for some uh, Ruby-related content during the hiatus, we highly recommend giving uh, the episodes that we have available on this channel a listen, because it's a really good time. And I am ridiculously proud of not only the show uh, as a whole, but I'm really, really proud of how our most recent episode came out, which was our Valentine's special. So uh, again, if you haven't already checked that out, please, please, please do so. 
All right, guys. Again, let's take a deep breath. This is a safe space. This uh, <laughs> this is a place where we can talk about our feelings. Um, Mark, I know you have a drink. I also have a drink. I have a little shot of whiskey that I have in my Ruby Rose um, little shot glass here. Little uh, shot. Little shot, little glass. shot of whiskey. So, w- while I help myself to this shot, <laughs> how, how do we feel about this episode? What did we think of this finale? Let's go ahead and start with Mark. Ah, so you get to drink, but I anyway. Um, this was a wonderful finale. Like, yes, of course, that it, it dealt with some pretty serious things, and it was a down note for our heroes and the story in general. But in terms of everything that really, it's hard. It's hard to look at the season by itself. I think this is a wonderful season of Ruby, but there is so much that has come before that has allowed us to truly enjoy and take in every single beat that we have been able to and this finale was a fulfillment of a lot of the setups that had been brewing for the past several seasons like not even just season eight but season seven and before and we're going into a place where we truly don't know what we're gonna get next and that is both exciting and scary. I concur with all that entire assessment. Um, this is the culmination of not just um, the previous volume, but yeah, I'd say this is the culmination of what maybe later on down the line we'll be calling like the Atlas trilogy, volumes six, seven, and eight. Um, yeah, I think this is a this was a fantastic way to cap off that entire particular portion of the arc. Stacy, how about you? I kind of feel like a broken record at this point saying that everything this season has been so satisfying. But I mean, like you and Mark were saying, this was a season of of payoffs, and this final episode kind of kept carrying that through. We had so many pieces put together and built up and carefully assembled that really culminated here and we had payoff in so many different respects and while it was incredibly satisfying to watch in the moment um, and it may also be Kruby's fault just a little bit that I now have to live in the crying corridor <laughs> but we Isn't won't that hold closet? that against that there's plenty of room for crying elongated okay it had to become a full (laughs) corridor for the amount of crying that needs to be done in it okay well i'm still gonna keep the crying closet because i i like to be alone (laughs) that's that's reasonable we can all have our safe spaces thankfully a lot of the renovation that we've been doing recently most rooms come equipped with a crying closet (laughs) it's very important especially the love loft Mm. very necessary (laughs) (sighs) Uh, yeah katie how about you thoughts on uh this finale this fucking episode i swear (laughs) this was so good this was terrifying and beautiful and satisfying and horrifying and a lot of fying like it's just this wrecked me and i'm sure that was part of the point but this absolutely laid me out there's little bits of fridge horror there's little bits of curiosity going in especially with the uh, end of credit scene but for the most part yeah no this was definitely an episode of payoffs and it's 
what I find interesting is that this is the second part of a trilogy that they were all writing at the same time. Because 7, 8, and 9, from what we've heard, have been, were greenlit at the same time, they were working on 8 and 9 at the same time, and they finished writing 9 during 8's production. So we have no idea what's coming next season, but the fact that it was written in tandem with this one tells me that it's going to tie just as closely as 7 did to 8, and I'm I'm so excited, I'm so excited, I'm so scared. Basically, that. Yeah, I, I think we all feel like a little rough. <laughs> um, like I, I definitely feel like this, uh, this volume as a whole really put us through our paces, just emotionally speaking. Um, this is in a lot of ways like the lowest um, emotional point that a lot of our main characters have ever experienced. I would say, you know, even more devastating than the end of volume three. Um, which I think has been the standard of like, how bad can it get <laughs> ever since it happened? Um, it might also be the lowest physical point since a good half dozen people fell. <laughs> um, but that being said, I, I think that um, it, it's, it's really good narratively speaking that we've hit that point um, because I, I, again, the journey's not over yet. Like I, much like everybody picked themselves up uh, after the end of volume three, I'm really excited to see where we go um, after, after this volume, after hitting this absolute low, um, just in terms of morale and emotions. Like I'm really interested to see how our characters pick themselves up and continue to press forward. Um, considering everything that's happened. So uh, on that note, let's uh, let's dig into it, shall we? Um, okay, this episode jumps around quite a bit, but it all weaves together very, very well. Um, I want to start with the Aesop's side of thing because I feel like it's um, fairly quick to, to make it to the point of that narrative arc. Um, so yeah, let's start with that. I was, I actually wanted to start with something like at the very, very beginning, we got another content warning this episode and I appreciate that they did this. And I'm certain that there are people who are unhappy with, oh, it's spoiled that there's going to be a death, but I appreciate that they did this going in just because, yeah, they like, we all figured that someone was going to die at some point in this finale, but having a content warning that things were going to get particularly upsetting, I think was probably really helpful for some people. And I would imagine that there were some people who took advantage of that warning and then just asked their friends, hey, you know me, you've seen the episode, can I handle it? Because that's what content warnings and friends who watch the same media you do are for. So you can take care of yourself so i appreciate that rooster team that the roost yeah that root crewby oh my god it's one of those <laughs> days ladies and gentlemen i appreciate I, us too yes i appreciate us very very much <laughs> i appreciate that crewby did this i really liked that i in a similar vein if people if we're not going to talk about people complaining but i'm 
I feel when when I watched the episode, I saw it and I acknowledged it. It wasn't something that was in my head the whole time of like someone's gonna die, someone's gonna die, someone's gonna die because that's morose and we don't have time to unpack all of that. But <laughs> it was it was more of a thing of put like subconsciously putting my mind at ease. Which, which you know, for me, those type of warnings are you know they they serve their their definite purpose. But I was so into every single second of the show that the that thought what didn't like come into like wasn't at the forefront of everything but as it was happening it was a thing of is this it and and to me at the same time that adds to certain dramatic tension when it comes to it but that's not what we're talking about right now i just wanted to mention that that they're adding to what you were saying katie there's a lot of ways that those type of warnings can help emotionally and in storytelling in general oh yeah absolutely it's it's like the trigger warnings at the beginning of the content warnings pardon me at the beginning of doki doki literature club like it's not on your mind the whole time you're playing the game but if it's something that's going to cause an issue you have a warning to stop before you start yeah and also with this they didn't say hey someone's gonna die but it's like hey we're dealing there are there are elements of death that are uh upsetting well well just they are that they are dealt with they are present those sorts of things are present in this show and i don't think it was necessarily an immediate death flag but it was it was something that at least covered more bases than just the one yeah i I mean, this might shock you guys, but I listen to a number of horror podcasts in my free time. Um, and something I really appreciate with a lot of those horror fiction shows that I listen to is that they provide content warnings um, for the people who need them. So, like, if you if you don't want quote-unquote spoilers, which I don't think content warnings are considered spoilers, in my, in my opinion... Um, but if you don't want spoilers, you don't have to pay attention to the content warnings, but they're there for the people who need them. So I I would much rather have somebody who needs that kind of warning get a heads up than be like all upset because like, oh man, I, I didn't want to know that this episode was going to have anything to do with death. Like that that's ridiculous. <laughs> of course, <laughs> that's exactly where this episode was going. Um, it's better... It's better for the people who need to know. It's better that they know than um, for me to be mildly inconvenienced for a few seconds. Yes. <laughs> um, so, yeah. All right. So, let's talk about the Aesops. Uh, the, the fight with Harriet continues. And Crow, much to, um, much to a change of pace, tries to be the voice of reason. Um, but Harriet is sticking to her guns up until she sees both Vine and Elm trying to reach out to her. And this is where we get a moment that has been building ever since we met the Aesops and they were introduced, they introduced themselves as co-workers, not friends. This is, we have Elm talking Harriet down and doing so because she's their friend and they don't want to see her go through with this. Uh, what was your guys' reaction upon actually hearing Elm say, because we're friends? <laughs> what was your guys' reaction to that? Let's start with Katie. 
fucking finally <laughs> my god gross some emotions people learn learn to deal with the emotions you have processing your emotions is a good healthy thing to do and it's okay to have friends and to care about other people so yeah no we needed this we needed th- they needed this like when they came together as a team let's be real but we really needed this about 14 episodes ago so i'm glad that we finally got it but holy cow was this a long time coming like i'm glad you guys finally got there thank god stacy how about you this really is like one of the aesop's worst kept secrets right that they're friends we've known it (laughs) we've known it for a while the way they fight the way they rib each other but they have been so absolutely focused on denying it and just, no, no, we're teammates. We work together. We are co-workers. That does not mean we're friends. We can't be friends. Friends isn't what we are. But they're friends. <laughs> and yes, they needed to admit this quite some time ago. But it was very nice to see them finally being like, oh, yeah, okay, no, we're friends. And that, that means that means a lot. That means something to all of us. And to see to see the power of friendship, you know, break through to Harriet. Um, God, I'm gonna say satisfying again, because it was it was satisfying. <laughs> we we've seen the buildup all the way behind it. We've seen how close they clearly are, despite the fact that they want to deny it. So it was nice to see them finally kind of accept that and shout it out into the world. <laughs> Agreed. Mark, how about you? For for me, the first thing that I thought of was because, as, as Stacey put it, it was the worst kept secret. The first thing that popped in my head was Ike from Smash Brothers line of, I fight for my friends. Like, it's like, <laughs> yeah, duh, idiot. So, like, it was, it was something... <laughs> It was something that I'm happy I'm happy happened, but because of how much time was dedicated to all of the other characters, I wish there was a little bit more time for that scene in general. Like I wish they had more time to talk because they're losing members by the second, and <laughs> like that that that's a, a thing where. Um, because we've spent so much time with these characters and we understand what they're going through because we've seen just about everything. We, we know that it's just something that they have to get to like the eventual discussion between Yang and Blake. Just talk to each other. God dang. (laughs) Words use them. That's these entire past two seasons is just fucking communicate for the love of God. I will say if people still don't think that Ruby is an anime, it's, it's, very much so, but also they have characters where certain things can be solved if they just talked about it, <laughs> which is a very anime trope. Like, just yeah. talk about it. Which makes it a Kingdom Hearts game. Oh, don't I... even. <laughs> just because. Hold on now. <laughs> just because I queued up a lo-fi remix of the Destiny Island theme at the end after watching the, the post credit scene doesn't mean. Oh no, I just meant that all of Birth by Sleep could have been solved if they'd fucking talked to each other. And here we are with so many things could be solved if you talk to each other. I, I, yep, yep. 
Ruby is an anime with power of friendship baked into its core. You, you can't get away from that. It can have some edge. It can have some straight up horror. It can have some heartbreak, like all of these plot and story elements that make it the wonderful, beautiful, terrifying thing that it is. But at its core, it is an anime that runs on the power of friendship. God damn it. Don't forget that. Uh, speaking of friends, uh, we as soon as Harriet's been talked down, we actually do get one last little bit from their former team leader. Um, as soon as Harriet's been talked down, the bomb actually starts to move and it comes super, super close to... <laughs> to to falling out of the aircraft but crow holds on to his uh to um clover's badge and i think maybe the implication here is that a little bit of either a little bit of clover semblance uh like rubbed off on that good luck charm or something along those lines or or maybe clover if ghosts exist in this world was kind of looking out <laughs> for these guys because they're blessed with one little bit of good luck um the bomb doesn't fall out of the aircraft and uh, it, it's very much implied that that is 100 because of clover and i really appreciated that it was just like oh just this sweet little bit of good luck that the team got to have now that they've all come together and have admitted that they're all friends right before it's undercut <laughs> by crow's bad luck Oh, see, if we're going with Kingdom Hearts, that was Clover's summon token. You, you have a bond with him and you can summon the essence to just do one little thing to help you out in battle. And that's what happened. And then Watts ruined it for everyone because that's what he does. But I really appreciate this implication here and that Crow can like continue to carry this badge um i'm wondering if maybe just maybe crow can use this as a good luck charm you know for <laughs> not necessarily to counteract every bit of his bad luck but just every now and then when you need it it might come in handy is that at all possible or did they literally just get lucky this once let's start with mark i i don't know i think good luck charms I don't necessarily invest in them, but it's a thing of like, uh, I, I have a feeling that Crow's the type of person where anytime something good happens, he'll pull it out and go, thanks. Where it's like, no, just something good happened. It's live in that. Aww. And that that's like another, vi like he's, it, that would be something for Crow where he's looking for something to solve his problem instead of himself. Uh, like who's did and and it's just another thing that he would be addicted to. So like, luck. He's addicted to luck. He gets into gambling, um, <laughs> betting, on the, betting on the ponies. Oh no! So <laughs> so like, eh, 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 not the best person to ask. <laughs> Stacy, how about you? Uh, I think I guess <laughs> I think they got real lucky that time, but. I do think that maybe meeting Clover and having the contrast of who Clover was and his attitude did make an impression on Crow and did begin to alter his mindset and maybe so I wouldn't attribute it to, to the token, although I, 
I imagine Crow still attributes it to the the token. He's like, yeah, it's it's all because of this and this alone. <laughs> but I like to think it's Crow's inner growth that we're gonna get to start to see, and he, yeah, he he won't quite depend on that solely and entirely. You put it much more eloquently than I did. <laughs> Mark, I was about to ask what hurt you, but then I realized we'd all just watch this season finale. <laughs> you know. Uh, yeah, like Crow doesn't get nice things. I don't think the uh, badge in and of itself is lucky. I don't think it's imbued with Clover semblance or anything like that. I do think that this was just one of those moments of pulling it out and going, man, I miss you. We could really use you here right now. And they got lucky. It's two completely unrelated things. But because they happened back to back, it's one of those, oh, maybe you can believe, like, just for a second that Clover was able to help. Like, it's a nice little narrative bit. Is Clover actually helping? Nah, he did. But it, does this help just in terms of morale? Yes, absolutely. I don't think... I'm I'm with Stacy on this one in that it's Crow's character growth and in that meeting Clover and becoming friends with him really helped him as a person. So yeah, I, I don't think it's going to be a lucky charm. I think it's going to just keep being a keepsake from a friend who's no longer here. Yeah, basically that. Yep. I I do agree with all of those assessments. However, I do really like the idea of the ghost of Clover hanging out and going, everybody gets one and then fading away. <laughs> Is that like, put that on the family crest, everybody gets one? <laughs> That's Raven's family crest. You don't know Clover's life. It seems to be a pervasive theme, though, of people keep coming back with, well, everybody gets one. <laughs> How else do we explain some of these things? Oh. But I, I do I do very much like it as a reflection of Crow's character growth because at the end of the day, even though he's no longer here, Clover did change Crow's life. Or or at least he helped to. Um, you know, at any when you're making the decision to change uh your life and to try to turn things around for the better, any bit of support goes a long way. So I, I think I think no matter what, Clover will be remembered fondly for those things. Um, but anyway, sadly, again, as, as Katie pointed out, oh, Watts made sure that this bit of good luck didn't actually last for very long because Watts has ensured that the bomb is going to go off. And this is where we get a, a bit of a surprise, in my opinion. Um, we've gone back and forth on each of the Aesops this volume in terms of our predictions as to who was going to turn against Ironwood, who was going to join our friends. Something I did not anticipate was Vine sacrificing himself for the sake of his teammates. Um, that I, I did not see that coming, given, given how fractured they've been all volume. Uh, what was your guys' reaction upon seeing him make the ultimate sacrifice for his friends? Let's start with Katie. They patched Zenyatta's ult so he's no longer uh, impervious during it. And that's not a good patch, you guys. <laughs> it's not what we meant by embrace the iris. Um, I, I, yeah, no, I'm terrible. I didn't know he could do this. Obviously, Elm knew. Obviously, this is a known quantity among the Aesops. I had no idea he could do this, but 
I am not surprised that he's the one that took it upon himself to go, well, this is the logical thing to do. I will do this to protect my friends and also these two other people who happen to be here at the time, <laughs> but mostly my friends. Like, this made sense to me because we could see when Marrow was nearly shot and Winter saved him, you could just see the regretting all of my life's decisions expressions. You could see the, oh, wait, I think I do care about these people. Okay, just, it doesn't surprise me that he's the one to step up and do this. It doesn't surprise me that he's the one to talk down Harriet, and then that he's the one to make the sacrifice to save everyone else, because he could do it, and it needed to be done. Stacy, how about you? Yeah, I absolutely agree with Katie. Uh, I I remember being surprised in the moment and then immediately thinking about it and knowing that it that is kind of the most logical outcome here. And both with his character beyond being part of the Aesops and the complete logical do what your duty says you must do training that he has you know, always kind of exemplified. This was, I think, the only decision that he would have come up with and made perfect sense to him and to, you know, saving the most amount of lives despite the cost. So I think this is a very logical next step that I hated. <laughs> It made me very upset. <laughs> and when I say hated, I mean in a very good way. Yeah, yeah. This is like, yeah. It's, oh, this is beautiful. Oh, this makes so much sense. Ah. It's hurting me very much, though, so please stop. <laughs> is this, Rooster Teeth, is this the upsetting thing you warned me about? And the answer is no, probably not. <laughs> You wish. But, yeah. <laughs> it was upsetting and unexpected. <laughs> Mark, how about you? The upsetting thing for me was when uh, I was playing Uno with uh, the Kruno Pirates the other night. And when Molly was trying to think of Vine's name, she was like, uh, uh, Mr. Boom Boom. Uh, <laughs> and I, and we, we, all just, we all just went, Molly. <laughs> You don't mean Vine, do you? Yeah, Vine, that's what it was. And I I had to... Oh, God. We had to take a break. It was so rough. Um, but when it came to... When it came to the sacrifice, it was a thing where... When we got there, it was... Uh, agreed. Yeah, this, this makes sense. But I wonder... I wonder where this took place in the scope of everything. Like we caught back up with the ship later in the show, but at this point, how much of how much of the town, how big was the bomb? How, how big would the blast radius really have been? And would it have affected people in the, uh, the traverse dimension, the traversal dimension? So those are the questions that I found myself asking after the fact was this, this was a, a, a a not senseless a selfless sacrifice that that shows the sort of the dedication that that vine always had but is now applying to the right stuff and 
I don't know. I wonder if this is going to be something whenever we see the Aesop, whenever we see this ship again, what, uh, what will all of this amount to, you know, Har- Harriet and Elm are, are changed for forever. And it's Marrow too, but like er- everybody, th- this was not something that they needed. And as the audience, it wasn't something that we, <laughs> we needed either, but, um, what a moment this this is one of those things where no matter how you feel about the aesops this this is a an iconic this is a new iconic ruby moment gotta appreciate describing a heartfelt agonizing character death as not something i needed (laughs) it's it's kind of anything in arson murder and jaywalking Um, yeah, I, I very much concur. The, this, this was devastating. It was surprising. Um, narratively it made a lot of sense. And to me, I, I really wonder how this is going to affect all these characters moving forward because Harriet is going to have to live with this forever now. And in the same way that Crow has to live with what happened to Clover, Harriet's going to have to live with what happened to Vine. Like, and I'm wondering if that's also not one of the, one of the reasons why they shared um, the petal on the badge in, in the beginning of, you know, in the opening, this entire volume is not only because um, they're angry about what happened to Clover, but also because by the time everything is said and done, they're sharing the exact same type of guilty grief. Uh, I mean, we don't really know how how Harriet's going to react, but in my opinion, it's not that much of a stretch for for her to be experiencing a lot of the same anger that Crow was at the very beginning of the season, where she's mad. But unlike the the anger that she had earlier in this volume, instead of pointing being able to point that anger at somebody else like Crow. She has no choice but to point it at herself unless she doubles down <laughs> in her denial and um, and just, you know, lashes out at everybody around her. But I, I don't know. I could I could very much see her and Crow actually kind of connecting in that regard. But I don't know. It's we'll see. We'll have to see. Um, but yeah, in. I, I, before we move on, do we have any final thoughts on the Aesops and what's what's lying in the future for them? Uh, Mark, final thoughts? So whoever, like, you know, you think of the relationship between uh, Clover and Crow in the sense of luck and bad luck, and then you look at the upcoming relationship that is is starting to to build as, as co-workers, confidants, friends, whatever, however you want to put it, between Harriet and Crow, she's got two lucky rabbit's feet. So that's more luck than bad luck. <laughs> that's a net positive. Like that's that's solid. I I think like things are looking up for that for that friendship for that group. I think the math checks out on that for sure. Yeah, can't argue with that. Uh, I think that one of the differences we're going to see here, hopefully, because really we don't know what is in store in their no- near future, but I hope that Harriet kind of gets the room to grieve that Crow definitely didn't get and that she definitely didn't get at the beginning of this volume. 
we had so many things to do so quickly and we were still denying that we were friends but now that they've come and accepted that the Aesops are friends they can lean on each other a little bit and have a little bit of space to grieve and move forward together that I'm hoping will be beneficial to all involved uh, and I do see Harriet and Crow kind of at least being on the same page about a few more things, if not bonding about it. Um, but one of the thoughts I had the first time watching the episode, uh, I feel like to further Crow's own growth, kind of not being beholden to Clover's charm. Uh, I think it would be nice. And something we might see is him kind of bequeathing it to Harriet to keep as her memento of Clover. Aww. I mean, it's a long flight from the remnants of Atlas to Vacuo. I'm sure they'll have some time to work things out. But I think also the sense of, will we see any of that? The whole whole next season (laughs) is just that car ride. It's a goofy movie, but it's on the way to vacuo. Feeling times with Aesops. It's like a Kevin Smith movie. It's just talking. Yeah. Yeah, no, I would imagine that we will see some of that because that would be a lot of character development to just be hand-waved off screen. I don't think we will see all of it. We might just get some of the salient bits. But yeah, I, I can see if that does happen during that very long car ride, then I can see us seeing some of that. That was a sentence. Okay. Yeah, this was very well done. I I think this was something of a logical conclusion for the overall arc of the Aesops, Harriet in particular. And it was also, also a tragedy. Good Lord. (sighs) Yeah, yeah, it was rough. So now that we've talked about the Aesops, Let's hop back over to uh, the the evacuation effort where Cinder seems to be um, continuing in her evil plan to, as, as she puts it, she wants it all. And so this is her plan to get everything that she's wanted as far as this volume is concerned. So I, I did appreciate, like, we, we had a lot of really spectacular moments during this particular seek, like this, this whole fight, um, all the twists and turns that it took, we we had a lot of really spectacular moments. Uh, I think for me, one of the one of the really fun ones was the thing that happened right at the top, which was Blake kicking Cinder in the face. <laughs> I feel like I need that as a gif um, to just bring me joy as we wait for the next volume to roll around. But um, throughout the entire maiden fight, did you guys have a particular favorite moment? Let's start with Stacy. Are we talking just the maiden fight or kind of all the fights that were sim- simultaneously uh, going we, on? We will break this down in terms of talking about like what happened to Neo and Ruby and um, you know, what all the, all the different components, but just overarching the entire fight against Cinder. Uh, did you have a highlight? Uh, you know, honestly, like kicking her in the face is really hard to beat. <laughs> it's what she deserved. 
it's what we deserved in that moment. <laughs> yeah, it it definitely was. It was just one of those things where it's like, yes, yes, especially because Blake was so crippled with indecision at the mm. at the end at the tail end of the episode um, for last week. So that was that was a really nice way to just come right back into the action. Uh, Mark, how about you? Weiss, mother loving Schnee was but pre-ultimate sadness the mvp of part one of this fight because of how she was willing to adapt and one of the things that everybody got, everybody got hyped about was her picking up uh half of Bla- uh, blake's weapon and using it too which was cool ultimate uh, uh team team uh team up but at the same time, that's also echoes of Winter using two swords. So, like, I, I've said it, I think I've said it since Volume 4. Weiss has been on this remarkable journey in the, like, not, I want to say in the forefront, because she is definitely a main character, but in the sense of it's not focused on, but we see it, if that makes sense. And so, Weiss is, for, first of all, that drop kick totally clean. Like looking at it from a, from a pro wrestling standpoint, one of the cleanest drop kicks in the biz. But um, I Weiss, like Weiss, up until the ultimate sadness, was one hundred percent my MVP of this fight. I, you're definitely right there. Like I, I got goosebumps as you were describing it. So uh, actually, getting to see it, um, it was just absolutely spectacular. Hey, how about you? I mean, Cinder getting kicked in the face is always amazing. Um, <laughs> just more of that. Another. Honestly, I think one of my favorite bits, just in terms of sheer, oh my god, you didn't, was Cinder uh, Scar throwing Mufasa off of the <laughs> cliff. Long live the king to Neapolitan. Just... Oh my god, like am I surprised that she did it? No, not really. She she remembers slights and she reacts a hundred thousand fold. <laughs> like she's horrifyingly murderously petty, which we see later with Watts. Like, why would anyone trust this bitch? Who knows? But we did it and we're dead. So Can I, I can I interject really quickly? Do it, do it, that do it. That reminded me of the, the nightmare moment in Toy Story 2 where Andy's like, I don't want to play with you anymore. <laughs> uh, and and just seeing it just like a, a bad Photoshop of just ne- of, of Cinder's head on Andy's body and it's just a tiny Neo being thrown into a waste bin. Like, ugh. Oh. <laughs> yes. 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 Yeah, no, I, I, Lion King came to my mind. So definitely just, I really, really loved that particular long live the king bit that should not have made me as happy as it did because it took out three characters in pretty much one go. But it really did because, wow, we are seeing the culmination of Cinder's arc here in this in sealing Watson with a fire. Are we surprised? No. Why did he ever trust her? We don't know. But, and then lying to Salem's face. Just, we're, we're seeing the apex of her arc. And we'll talk a little bit about Salem later, I would imagine. But, um, yeah, 
Cinder has been, if you will forgive me, on fire the last couple episodes of this volume. Good lord, well done. The the play of the match goes to that right there for triple kill. Just jeez. And the other bit that I truly, truly loved was Winter showing up like an avenging Valkyrie. Just yes. Yeah, that was pretty beautiful. Um, yeah, let's let's talk about that that bit with Neo for for a quick second. Mark, as you pointed out, Weiss definite MVP because um, she bounces all over the arena, and um, as she briefly you know hops into the the Ruby Neo fight. Uh, Ruby almost gets exploded by Cinder, but Weiss is able to push her out of the way in time. But the bad thing about that is, like, Ruby makes the point of saying, like, whatever you were hoping to accomplish working with Cinder, I hope it was worth it. Um, And we got that beautiful bit with her using her semblance to then, like, knock Neo down. And Cinder taking the cheap shot hits Ruby in the back, of course. But yeah, we do have this moment where she could have helped Neo get back up to her feet, but any illusions about Cinder being a sincere person or having learned some sort of a lesson um, due to her previous failures, all of that goes right out the window as she takes the lamp from Neapolitan and goes, you shouldn't have threatened me, and knocks both her and Ruby off the side. And... Though Blake makes a valiant effort to try to save Ruby, all three of those characters end up falling into where whatever negative space Yang fell into at the end of the last episode. What was your take on seeing this betrayal? Let's start with Stacy. Yeah, that sounds right. <laughs> <laughs> that checks out 100% and completely. Look, when someone is that petty, they're going to keep being that petty. <laughs> As someone wronged, who has wronged you dangling off the edge of a cliff, dangling off of the edge of a cliff while the person that you actively want to kill is dangling from their leg, yeah, that's a no-brainer for Cinder to take that shot and... Uh, She's sitting here going, what to do, what to hmm. do. <laughs> this is such a difficult difficult decision. I have no idea what I should do. Should I save Neo, who is my friend? No, that sounds wrong. No, let's push her <laughs> off. <laughs> let's make a pros and cons list here. Oh, the cons list is empty? Okay. <laughs> yeah, I imagine she spent about 0.5 seconds on that decision. Upon hearing the word friend enter my brain, it made me like kind of gag. So I decided to not do that. Immediate visceral reaction to the possibility there. Could not handle it and just nope. I'm amazed that you thought she spent a whole half a second on it. I know that is being too generous, isn't it? That is so generous of Mm. you, Stacey. Your faith in Cinder's humanity is just touching. Whereas I think she just kind of went, this friendship empty, yeet. So <laughs> that's, I, yeah, I said my piece on this already. I loved it. That bitch. She's great. She's terrible. I can't wait for her to fall from a high place and for it to stick for once. Mark, how about you? 
I so in serious like joking, yeah, very fun. But also, I feel like this was, you know, subtextually we knew that this was going to happen because that's the type of person that Cinder is. And in getting her flashback this season and showing that even with that stern boy talking to that uh, that Watts gave her. She's still the same person. Like we saw who she was. We saw that given the chance to change and be something better or greater, she didn't, she didn't take it. She didn't take that opportunity. So when it comes to this, of course she made the the decision that she made. Yeah. It seems like the only lesson she took away from this whole situation was, Oh, I need to be better at manipulating people. (laughs) Straight up. It's it's the child raised in a very strict household lesson. You don't raise good kids, you raise sneaky kids. And I say that as the sneaky kid. <laughs> like you they just get better at lying. And that's what she did. That's what she took away from all of this. She just got better at messing with people. So yeah, yes, absolutely. Um yeah, I I can literally see like Cinder looking at like her D&D character sheet and going, hmm, I've leveled up. How do I put all of these points into deception? <laughs> How do because I put that's... all of these points into evil? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it wasn't that long ago where she was struggling about, you know, having candy trying to get unsuspecting huntsmen into her van. So I, I think she really has stepped it up quite a bit. Oh, man. But yeah, poor Neo. So, uh, ultimately, not to jump too far ahead, but uh, ultimately, this means a lot for Neo, too, having put her trust in somebody, gotten betrayed, and then ultimately, um, now, maybe it's too early to jump ahead into this, but (laughs) maybe not. What do we think is in store for Neo moving forward? Can she ever trust again? Uh, Will she let go of her grudge against Ruby because revenge towards Cinder is a more pressing matter? What's next for Neo? Let's start with Katie. I can see, I mean, it's really going to depend on the <laughs> what's next for neo well she fell through the world along with team ruby and john and about a dozen npcs so that's a good question i think and this is me kind of looking at this going we're gonna go on a journey we're gonna climb yggdrasil we're gonna whatever i think it's going to wind up being an alliance of necessity i don't like you you don't like me but we all need to lean on each other to survive here whether it grows to become a friendship or whether it just becomes a, well, I don't want to McMurder you anymore. So once we're out of here, I'm just going to leave and you'll never see me again. Or maybe you will in the finale because it turns out I'm a super popular fan favorite. Either way, I don't see this becoming friendship friendship, but I can see this becoming an alliance of convenience that then turns into an actual alliance. Stacy, how about you? I can see them having to work together. And I can see it being an honest alliance, but one that Neo is still happy to just walk right away from at the end. Just go on her merry way. Potentially uh, skip away from. She, she would. <laughs> you know she would. Uh, conversely, you know, 
there are about a dozen NPCs down there and Neo could just, I guess, go on a hunting spree and carve out her own little corner of this island and we could just make it a true horror story. <laughs> I'd watch that. That sounds fun. Um, Either way, I smell backstory for Neo. Ooh. It's about time. No, straight up. Like the, the thing that I was going to say was that because now we have an opportunity as the audience to possibly talk with her a little bit, I think at the very least we will see how she communicates. And and if it's something similar to somebody else in the Ruby uh, pantheon that I'm not going to mention if people don't read the books. Um or if or if there's something if there's something about Neo that we 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 we're going to find out stuff that we don't know. And and in terms of backstory like Stacy's saying or even just at the very basic how she communicates, I think we're going to have to moving forward. I think that's fair. I, I definitely think backstory for sure would, especially given that we got Cinder's backstory this volume. I think Neo and possibly Emerald. I think it, it took me a minute, um, but I think <laughs> both of those are potentially in the cards for next volume. Um, assuming that all of next volume isn't taking place in a singular location, um, whatever they have planned for this, it is. Volume. It totally is. <laughs> Maybe Didn't we already decide it's taking place on the road trip. <laughs> exactly. Thank you, Stacy. Yeah. The whole time, right? 100%. Oh, man. So some people are going to see the road trip and some people are going to see this instead. And uh, yeah, you, we will just have to compare notes. Everyone's getting different episodes. <laughs> uh, as Kruby goes, ah! <laughs> like takes 10 points of psychic damage just from hearing that oh good lord folks we want to talk to you really quickly about itunes thank you all so so much for um everybody who's gone to itunes to rate subscribe leave a comment we love hearing from you and it is one of the best ways that you can help us out um spread the word about our podcast make our 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 content more searchable for people looking for rooster teeth related stuff. Um, it really is a huge help. And when you guys do so, we love giving you a shout out on the podcast. Mark. Yes, we have a couple of new reviews. Uh, we have one review from tired placebo. I uh, love this team. Five stars. These guys have so much fun with each other and you feel it in the episodes. I can listen to them, discuss, theorize, predict, and just chat all day. At first, I only listened to their Ruby episodes, but I'm very happy that I branched out into their other stuff during the holiday hiatus. I have been missing this podcast as much as the shows they talk about. Thank you so much, Tired Placebo. And then we have another one with some questions in it. And, and you can leave questions in these reviews, but also just find us on Twitter and, and ask them just to make sure that we see them. But uh, this is from Super Mona Man, Super Mona Man. I'm sorry if that's not entirely correct, but uh, uh, five stars, my favorite podcast, Heart, Heart, Heart. First of all, I just want to say how much I love your content, including stuff from Katie and Megan's channels. This Ruby finale was absolutely incredible and heartbreaking. I won't delve too deep into it because I would be here writing this for a long time. But all I will say is I'm just going to drown in an ocean of my own tears in regards to this episode. And I mean, we already warned it a little bit previously. So uh, here, this 
it goes into a place. Here we go. Nuts and Dolts is dead, and I didn't <gasps> expect Penny to die, and I'm very sad. <laughs> oh no. Um uh. we're very, very sorry that your ship is no longer sailing, but um uh they go on to write. Some people are asking why they would bring Penny back if they were only going to kill her permanently. And I wanted to know your opinions on that. Do you think that it is a valid criticism or do you think everything Rooster Teeth has done with Penny in the last two volumes and the writing justifies bringing her back? So that is, that is one question. Do we want to answer? Do we want to talk about that now before moving on to the rest of their review, uh, which has another question Uh, in it? Or do we want to talk about that now? Let's put a pin in that um, question, and right. we'll talk about that because Penny is exactly what we're about to talk about when we okay. come back from Ivy's. Then, then moving on. Then actually, I will wait to answer this uh, next. I will I will put, pose this next question when we talk about something else. Um, but let me finish up this review. I personally believe this is the best Ruby's writing and animation has ever been. And I just want to express my appreciation for my, excuse me, my appreciation for how hard all of Kruby worked to get this volume done during COVID. I hope you guys do a decent amount of speculation about volume nine, especially since Carrie, I believe said this would be a detour volume. Sorry for the long review and keep up the great work. Smiley face heart. Uh, it, I believe it was miles that said something to that effect, but we're, we're going to talk about that later. Thank you very much. Super Monoman for that review. And don't apologize. Uh, we, we also send our thanks to, to the entire cast and crew for Ruby because this volume has been amazing. So don't, don't apologize for the long review. We very much appreciate it. Thank you so, so much. Um, and uh, you might have noticed that uh, sometimes if you leave a review in the iTunes stores, we might not always get the chance to see it. So you can do what Tired Placebo did and actually take a screen cap of your review if you are in an iTunes store that isn't the U.S. iTunes store, um, because we sadly don't have access to the international side of things. However, uh, so you can tweet us at the Rooster Team. Uh, however, we like to interact with people um, in all sorts of ways. And uh, for we want to give special shout outs to the people who interact with us on Twitter. So we shall go ahead and do that now. Special shout outs going to Paris 10574066, Shadow Angel, Simon Luxenberg, Chris Campbell, Brandon Dodge, High Five Waterslide, Rhythmic Warrior, Lano Dantheon, uh, the the dank fan sorry the dank dab, fan, dab, 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 dab. the dank fan for fun um shadow 1192 or shadows 1192 giga derek uh malachroma and t vines in particular had a really fun discussion going back and forth talking about the architecture of the the rooster team house um uh, nick brennan actually uh qu- tweeted at us uh when we were tweeting about the definitive version of grim eclipse and uh we wanted to wish him a very happy early birthday since the game should be coming out right around his birthday so happy early birthday nick we really appreciate you uh special shout outs also going to brianna dragon girl Weiss, um, she she had a lot of feelings about Weiss finding out about her dad and what the repercussions of that are going to be um, moving forward. But uh, she also says, love listening to the reviews. They make my work, my Wednesday workday go by quicker. Can't wait to hear what everyone thinks about the next episode. 
Nectar in Gold, uh, who not only sent us a fun tweet, but also included some fantastic Ironwood fan art. So if you're if you're looking for shout outs, including fan art of Ironwood definitely helps you. Boy, <laughs> uh, uh, Vey. Hey, 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 you were the one who insisted we call him Iron Daddy <laughs> at the start of last volume. Um, I did not start that. I did not stop it. I need I another drink. Not... <laughs> <laughs> uh, Nectar and Gold writes, excited and nervous for the finale. Curious to see how it will, how it all goes down. Uh, Carson Edmondson, Ruby volume eight is done. And now I wait for the rooster team to put out their podcast before my Ruby hiatus truly begins. Thank you so, so much, Carson. Um, Danny Costa, does my first subscription come with therapy sessions included? I hate this game of emotions that we play. <laughs> Big mood, Danny. Thank you so much. Um, Excel Hedge uh, sent us uh, a fun tweet saying, Love Loft, become the grief loft. That's not entirely inaccurate. Um, and uh, they also sent us a fantastic um, Ruby video that had red versus blue dialogue set to it um, with Church's monologue at the end of the chorus trilogy. It was really, really fabulous. Um, so thank you so yeah. much for sending us that. Uh, Chris Half the Battle tweeted at us, has Team Ruby uh, landed in the Garden of Ecstasy from the song Bumblebee? Maybe. We'll we'll speculate on that a little later. <laughs> um, Maxis Fox 23 who tweeted at us with hashtag both Mercuries. Really appreciate that. Also, <laughs> uh, can't wait to see what comes out of the conspiracy corner for this one. Also, <laughs> can I share some room in the love loft? I'm going to need it. Uh, <laughs> uh, thank you guys so, so much. We uh, normally, this is the point in the podcast where we would also direct you all to our discord that you can join by clicking on the description below. But I think I'm going to let our, our friend of the show, Cam Griffin do that. He tweeted, Hey team, y'all usually read these tweets on the air. And I got something I want to say that might help lift some spirits after the finale. The folks in the RTR discord have done such a wonderful job of collecting, collectively crafting a genuinely good fandom space. The folks that lurk and post there are there to have a good time and enjoy the things we post about. I really want to thank all the people in the RTR Discord server for being an absolute delight. But to those listening to this episode of Rooster Team Radio who have not joined the Discord server, come and join us. We will welcome you with open arms. Although I do preemptively apologize for any cursed content I may, will post <laughs> and of course lots of love to the team thank y'all for taking us down the the tear stained path that has been ruby volume eight see y'all in volume nine or whatever comes before that and also on discord thank you so so much cam uh that it really means a lot um we really appreciate everything you do you're wonderful so thank you um if you guys uh are also interested we also have a tea public where you can purchase t-shirts of the funny things that we say uh we have some cool stuff coming up i'm not going to talk about that yet but we keep an eye on the store um and also tea public does a bunch of sales all the time so be sure to check it out um I am very excited for something for for a particular piece of merchandise that we are going to have coming up. Dude, straight um, up. <laughs> well, we will cross that bridge when we come to it. Um, but also, uh, if you're looking for other ways to support us, we have a sponsor for this week's episode. 
So who wants to eat their feelings? Because I need to eat my feelings after this one. And fortunately, we have a wonderful sponsor who can do that. It is Fred He Bakes. He does cookies. The cookies are amazing. The cookies are really good for eating your feelings, you guys. I can go through a dozen easy. Especially the brown sugar buddies. They are, oh, they're such good cookies. They're a little bit like spice cookies and a little bit like ginger snaps and a little bit like molasses cookies and a whole lot like an incredibly ridiculously good cookie. Highly, highly recommended. If you like that with even more flavors in it, he also does maple brown sugar buddies, which are kind of like brown sugar buddies, but also maple cookies unbelievably good real good dunked in like your coffee your hot chocolate your hot apple cider all of that fun stuff if you are a chocolate person he has the big chip buddies they are huge they are stuffed full of chocolate chips they are fluffy and if you're like me and you want to try a little bit of everything he does combination boxes so you can pick what you want try a little bit of everything and order more of your favorites which if you're like me is also everything Everything is made fresh. It's made in small batches. It's made to order. You cannot find these in stores. You can only find them at fredhebakes.com. That's three words, fredhebakes.com. And use coupon code THEROOSTERTEAM for 20% off your entire order. fredhebakes.com, coupon code THEROOSTERTEAM. Treat yourself. You deserve it. We're all going to eat our feelings this week. It's going to be great. Thank you to everybody so, so much for all of the various ways that you support the podcast. You guys are amazing. Okay. (laughs) We might as well rip this Band-Aid off. Um, um, So, yeah. Uh, As as we talked about uh, just a moment ago when we were doing the iTunes shout-outs, we we need to talk about Penny. Uh, Okay. Deep breaths. Oh, but drinks Uh, empty. Damn it. (laughs) I know. Bad timing. Sh- All right. Everyone, <sighs> pause Pause the episode. Take five. Go get a drink. Go get a cookie. Go <sighs> get some, Go get a Kleenex. All right. While they're go gone, let's talk about it. <laughs> and they'll come back and they'll be like, <laughs> I'm emotionally prepared. <sighs> and we'll be like, okay, so she's dead. And we... <laughs> Not helping. No. <laughs> okay. Well, this is why you keep me. <laughs> Out of the way, you. <laughs> oh, um, okay. But... Okay, so after we lose uh, Blake and Ruby, uh, after we lose them, we have sort of a three-on-one standoff against Cinder. And even though uh, it it makes for some really cool badass shots and we we have some really cool moments, ultimately, uh, this three-on-one fight does not last very long um, because it's coupled with the inopportune timing of Salem completing reconstituting herself and cinder can feel that change happen and when she does she uses that little boost to her advantage and she uses her grim arm to attack penny and start stealing the winter maiden powers and again weiss mvp goes in to distract her and that's where we have this moment with jean and penny where uh, he attempts to to help heal her, but Penny tells him that there's not enough time and that Cinder cannot be allowed to take both the staff and the Winter Maiden ability. And so she asks Jean to do the unthinkable and take her life so that she, much like Vine in this episode, can make the ultimate sacrifice for the people that she cares about and ensure that the power goes to somebody responsible and not cinder um this is 
obviously very, very upsetting and very devastating. But um, yeah, it's it's also a very, very important character beat. Um, and Mark, uh, for for people who who might have missed the discussion question earlier, <laughs> could you remind our listeners what that discussion question was? How it was so exactly this, phrased. This again came from Super Monoman. Super Monoman. Again, I apologize um, if if I'm saying that incorrectly. But the the question was, um, they're sort of positing that some people are asking why they would bring Penny back if they were only only going to kill her permanently, and they wanted to know our opinions on that. Do we think? That is a valid criticism, or do we think that everything Rooster Teeth has done with Penny in the last two volumes and the writing justifies bringing her back? Would you like to start, Mark? Um, I, yeah, I, I suppose I can. Um, it, it's something that we've kind of been positing the past couple of seasons. Once the the Winter Maiden started getting involved, it was a thing of uh, we, we, <laughs> we were seeing we were seeing some flags because. And and we've said it before, if you're new to the show, go back and listen to all of our old shows to see how just bug nuts we were. But um, <laughs> were? In, in the sense of um, in the sense of like like certain certain flags for certain characters. And, and we also have the the like at this point, if you've been watching the show the whole time. I mean, we're gonna we're gonna get the main four girls as maidens, right? Like, like that's something that that we're kind of expecting, and, and I'm still interested to see how if they shove that perception on its ear or whatever. But so with that, we knew that, or we we had a thought that there was going to be something where either either Penny or Winter was going to pass the power on to somebody, and we weren't exactly quite sure and when penny got the powers that was everybody going oh but robot how robot how do and then we got the additional surprise with uh ambrosius a few episodes i've got to keep it light or else i'm just gonna be sad um as as we were talking i went back and watched the penny and winter scene again and was i don't know why i did that because i'm sad again but um (laughs) it it, might have made me cry (laughs) I th- I think <laughs> I think some any sort of I say criticism but any and 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 they say criticism but I think any time you talk about a story that is still being told you can't really posit whether it was a good decision or not because depending on like we know that the next bit of story is written or going into production or whatever we know that there's an overarching idea for where this show is going to go and where this sacrifice both from a um a humanity standpoint of jean protecting of of both penny making the decision to give up the humanity that she just gave and Jean being asked to take it and doing it, whether it was the right thing or not, we, we don't, we don't know yet because we, we are at the end of a chapter. We are not at the end of a book. So I don't like necessarily like there's no, there's no reason to put a flag in the sand because it's sand. It's going to keep moving. And, and, and yeah, so I don't, I'm interested to see how this plays out. I think having it be Penny first 
instead of winter, like we were originally positing and sort of, I, I imagine the fandom was positing was in, was an interesting choice. And it's going to, it's going to affect our main characters in multiple ways. And, and that's one of the things that I think makes the show so unique and interesting is it's, is how it shows these young people dealing with these overwhelming odds and how it can be sort of like a, a guide for people who may not be experiencing the lot of, you know, these direct feelings, but sort of the, a lot of complexities with interpersonal relationships and personal feelings and all, all sorts of things. This, this was a, this was a move that is going to have a resounding effect moving forward. And I'm sad. <clears throat> yeah, us too. Stacy, how about you? Sad is a very good way to put it. <laughs> Man, I <laughs> I mean, yes, this was this was devastating. And I think we have, you know, talked about it and posited that this was absolutely a possibility. And the way it happened will have ripples throughout, you know, all of the relationships going forward here. And I understand crit the, the criticism comes from a place of deep hurt. I mean, Penny was an easy character to, to get attached to, to identify with. And she had so much built up around her and we we saw so much growth from her and warmth so to kind of look at it at that most base level and to reduce it down to her being a placeholder for who is going to be our final winter maiden uh, i can see where that inspires hurt but we look at all of the layers of story and all of the growth and development and everything that we have seen with Penny throughout her arc, uh, which we've seen come so far and we've seen her achieve so much and hit so many of her goals. And it turned into such a, a beautiful story of friendship and kindness that ultimately, you know, ends with this horrifying sacrifice that now everyone is going to have to live with. <laughs> Uh, so it's very upsetting and I think it was something that we don't have to like but I absolutely understand where where we're going with it I think again like Mark said we are in the middle of a story still uh, doing something that you really can't this you know you cannot change your mind and go back on this decision and Jean will have to, you know, live with the ramifications of that. So storytelling wise, we have a lot to go forward from here. I, one, yes, this was tragic and incredibly well done. In terms of why bring her back if you're only going to kill her? You might as well ask, why introduce Pyrrha if you're going to kill her at the end of season three? Why introduce any given, why, why introduce Clover if you're going to kill him at the end of the season? Why introduce any character who is no longer on this mortal coil in this show? And the answer is, 
because that's not the end of the story. Like, I'm with Mark in that this is still being written. We don't know the effects that everything is going to have. We don't know what the story is from here on out. We don't have all those answers. Only Kruby does. But even if a character is only here for a little while, they can have a lasting impact on the characters in the story who stick around longer and on the story itself. Penny had that impact at, I want to say she was our first main character death in season three, if I'm remembering this correctly. And then, you know, all the theories about, well, she's a robot, can she be made again? Seeing this again, seeing her brought back, she's still an incredible character. And then seeing her return, seeing how happy everyone was to have her and watching her development alongside Team Ruby as well as theirs alongside her was wonderful to watch. I just, I don't think Kruby needs to justify anything to us. It is their story to tell. They are the ones who still have all of the information, and we don't yet. So while we might be super upset that she died in a very, very tragic and upsetting way, like, yes, absolutely, those feelings are valid. They warned us that someone was going to die in a very, very upsetting manner. Like, they knew that we were going to be just floored by this. And they don't have to justify why they did it. Because it worked within the story. Because it worked with the story beats. Because this is what the story needed. We got Penny back, and as she said herself, she's not going to be gone. She's going to be a part of Winter. She's also going to continue on being a part of Ruby and John and everyone she interacted with. Just because she's no longer in the story doesn't mean she's no longer affecting it. That doesn't mean that she didn't change our characters. Like, Pyrrha hasn't been in the story for five seasons, and we got a bit two seasons ago with Jean in her hometown still dealing with the ramifications of her death. Clover was here for one season exactly, and we got a bit this episode with Crow remembering him. It's Again, there's it, it would be one thing if we're just killing a character off for shock value, pulling a George R.R. R. Martin. You know, that's that's a valid way of storytelling. That's not what we did. And, and, and I don't... Sorry, go, go ahead. Well, okay. to to add to it, like the the I I'm gonna be very much, hey, you kids, get off my lawn. But in a certain do it, do it. In a certain aspect, there are some things that writers writers come like adapt some sort of shared experience and some sort of experience that they've lived. And when if if you're watching the show as a younger person you have less experience to identify with and so you you see things more as they are and not necess- and and you may not have something to connect those feelings with if that makes sense so it's it's one of those things where you know as we're getting older going back to media that i watched when i was younger and getting so much more understanding out of it and so and so many more moments of that either like I understand that so much more now as an adult than I did as a kid or even a thing of 
that moment, that sacrifice, that moment of teamwork, that moment of uh, friendship is is keeps the boat moving, sort of a thing that stuck with me. And you'd never you'd never know until you go back to that media. And I think this, similarly to the the like th- this whole show, has moments where looking back on it, not only can you look ahead in the story and go, oh, this was the this was the set off to that set up to that payoff X amount of seasons later. But it's also something where you can go back and go, Oh my God, I, I totally have a different understanding and a total, totally different feeling than I did when I first saw this. And so the, the one thing that I would say to the people who have these criticisms is I hope in time you go back when you have a little bit more life lived, you have a little bit more life under your belt and you, and you, you have something to tie this to because there's so there's so much in these performances there's so much in these moments there's so much in everything and and i hope i hope just in general that when the time comes people can understand what this is and what they had and that they had an opportunity to live through it and experience it as a community like we are now yeah, I I really think there is something to that, that there's a bit of age and lived experience. And I mean, watching something as a child or a teenager is very different from watching it as an adult and even a younger adult versus, if you will, an adultier adult. <laughs> there's there's <laughs> definitely yeah, yeah, a lot of life experience going into this. So I, yeah, I can definitely remember some things watched as a kid or a teenager or just younger and going, why would they do that? Why would they kill this person? Why this? And now watching this as an adult, I can sit there and go, yeah, I've kind of been terrified for Penny ever since she showed up again. And they made the stakes very clear that like, this was our last chance. But also we got two seasons of Penny, you guys. We, we thought we weren't going to see her again. And then we turn around and we got two seasons of salutations and is this what hugs feel like? (laughs) I'll take those two seasons. That was extra time that we didn't think we were going to get. Now I'm crying. Uh I wasn't crying during the episode. Now I'm crying. Yeah. Like, like talking about that whole, that whole thing just now, I was, I was in a similar boat and I, again, I don't know why I do this to myself, but I brought up, um, so friend, friend of like everybody in the fandom, uh, but also somebody, one of the members of sirs and madams entertainment is, is in our discord. They go by high five water slide. Um, they put up a friend here i go they put up friend um on the youtube channel which was the credit song which take everything taking everything out is a bop by the time it gets to like that hook in the middle for the chorus that's a solid bop but at the same time go they put up a lyric video and they have art from ag nonsuch on there that's like penny wishing to be a girl and it's (laughs) it's just like ugh, ugh so so many things just like washing over um and trying to keep the uh the bopness in my head of like yeah that's that song's really great i'm just gonna put it on when i jog and i'll be fine (laughs) there was a bit in that song and i might have misheard this i wasn't when we watched it i was not connecting to the lyrics we were talking about i can can look it up there was a bit in the music 
that sounded like one of the hooks from the opening theme repurposed in a major key. That you would probably have to ask them about because that that okay. I didn't pick up. I was just too busy going like, all right, okay, all right. I'm not as sad as I was. Still sad, <laughs> but I'm not as sad as I was. But Introducing yeah. the sad bop. Yes, the, the sad, sad bop. Oh, man. <laughs> That's every kid's bop CD. They're all sad. Oh, uh, God. <laughs> but in a very different way. <laughs> yes, different definitions of sad. I'm here for terrible jokes and still trying not to cry on uh, on mic. Everything's fine. No, nothing is fine. But you know what? That's okay. We work through it. That's been 2020. <laughs> nothing is fine, but we're working through it. Um. I and don't mean to interrupt. Uh, do you uh, have any final thoughts on that? Because I, I have thoughts on the criticism before we get too far. It's because I mostly talked about the criticism and I didn't talk as much about like what happened. <laughs> <laughs> I just, I thought this was incredibly well done. I thought this was very painful and I appreciate that it's a bit of a dark mirror from the, I want to say volume six scene where volume five, what is time? where Jean unlocks his semblance and is able to save Weiss from a similar wound. And at this point it's, it's okay. I've got you. We can do this. And Penny realizing that just because of the circumstances, they don't have the time and he's not able to do that. And instead of being a shield or being a healer, he has to be a weapon. He has to use his sword. And it is one of, the most painful one of the worst things that you can ask a friend to do and he does it for her because it's what she wants and honestly given the situation at hand penny is right about this so i can't remember if this was someone in the discord or someone on twitter who pointed this out because someone else had this 500 iq moment and it was not me pointing out that earlier this volume penny asked ruby to kill her to avoid opening the vault and then self-destructing. Like, the powers will go somewhere else. I can make them go somewhere else, but we need to avoid the situation. And Ruby refused, and they were able to find an alternate solution. And now here, Penny asked Jean to kill her, and he did, because there wasn't an alternate solution to be found. So there's that dichotomy, and also maybe having to... Tell Ruby what happened and everyone live with this. Like, again, I did not have that big brain realization, but I think that's going to be real interesting also, when we see that. There, sorry, Megan, but there's just, <laughs> but just really quickly while we're here, the last Winter Maiden was on life support and with one dying move passed on the power. And here we have a similar thing happening where... Penny, at at the end of her life, has has made a similar decision, and it's just a thing. It, ugh. it's it's. There's a lot of stuff that is sort of like rhyming couplets, not not the George Lucas thing, but like also Jean being the person that was helping her stay human, and in that act made the ultimate decision that for her to to decide to make as a human yeah this this was well constructed and this was absolutely heartbreaking it's it was incredibly well done 
I mean, one of the really tragic things about this particular scene is that there actually potentially was an alternate solution, but none of our characters could have known that. And it that would be like in my head, that's Jean picking up Penny and then jumping over the side and landing in Wonderland or wherever the rest of our characters are at, but and using his semblance to help her when they landed. But like, there's absolutely no way that they could have known that everybody who fell actually ended up somewhere. So really, there was no choice at all. But this is definitely something he's probably going to have to wrestle with later on upon finding out that falling into the abyss didn't actually result in their deaths or if they did maybe they're in an alternate life limbo or something like that we don't we don't know (laughs) um but as far as the the specifically the criticism goes um about why bring penny back if um if they were only going to kill her off uh two seasons later one I think I think it's actually good for uh, especially for a lot of young audience members. I think it's good to engage in these sorts of questions because usually when you find out the answers to these questions, you learn something about storytelling. And um, so I think it's good to engage in these sort of discussions and to ask those questions, especially if you are younger and you've haven't experienced uh as much life as your your older counterparts <laughs> uh speaking as somebody who feels very old right now but um so i think it's good to ask those questions but as far as the criticism itself goes i think the criticism would have a lot more weight if she died solely for jean's character arc but penny did not exist solely for jean's character arc that's not who she was that's not why we loved her um if so i i don't i i think if that had been the case then that criticism would a lot have a lot of validity um because there are plenty of instances in which female characters are fridged um or certain minority characters are fridged um to adhere to like very harmful tropes we've had these discussions in the past uh, that's not what's happening here. And as far as, don't get me wrong, it's devastating. We love Penny. It's hard. It's so heartbreaking to see her go. But amid every, all the crazy stuff going on in the show, it is really easy to forget that a lot of the characters in Ruby have literary inspirations. And... Pinocchio, if you're familiar with the original source material, actually did become a real boy and die at the end of his story, if I'm remembering correctly. Um, Feel free to fact check me on that one. Um, I'll look it up, but I think you're right. (laughs) uh, (laughs) um, And so it's one of those things where, yes, it's true that Ruby characters don't always have to be one-to-one. Um, those characters can subvert the expectations that come with um, their literary counterparts. They don't have to necessarily fulfill the same character arcs or suffer the same fate that their literary counterparts um, encounter. But it's also fair to recognize 
you know, why they're adopting the literary inspiration that they are. Um, so it, it's one of those things to be like, well, why, <laughs> why, why do this? It's like, well, <laughs> um, not that Penny had the same character arc as Pinocchio, but I don't think it's fair to criticize for having similar character beats to the story that originally inspired this character within the narrative. Obviously, Ruby is very much doing its own thing. And like I said, you don't have to adhere to source material 100% of the time. So Megan, you're 100% correct. Pinocchio did die by the end of the story. But as you're saying right now, it is completely different and a lot darker than (laughs) what we're talking about right now. It's it's messed up, right? (laughs) It's very messed up. It's 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 like an illusion and a warning to kids for to not be you know little jerks in a certain way. But it's oh boy, oh boy. So that's some DLC you can look up on your own time. Dear reader, readers, listen, Jesus Christ, dear <laughs> listeners whom we love. <laughs> Read a book. <laughs> um, yeah, in, in that story, Pinocchio is punished for um, for his wayward actions. Uh, but, you know, as a lot of, uh, you know, grim fairy tales uh, very much tried to imbue those lessons into kids by being like, yeah, these these are fairy tales, but they're dark and sinister. And this is why you should always listen to your parents' children. <laughs> behave for the love of God, behave. Um, that's what grim fairy tales were trying to do is as is my understanding. Um, but obviously Penny was very much her own person and very much her own character separate from her source material. I don't think it's I don't think it's fair to to be mad about them choosing to pay homage to the original source material while also making her arc her own special thing um that being said I don't think that the criticism being sent to uh, towards this particular story beat I don't think it's um it it's coming from a, a disingenuous place. I think it's literally just we're so heartbroken. Why why did she have to die? Why'd you get my hopes up? Um, but uh, another lesson, and and we talk about this a lot whenever whenever we lose a character we weren't expecting to lose, is just that I hate to say it, but that is part of life. Um, as you grow through life, as you like this story at its heart has always been about kids finding out who they are as they go through life. And true, the world that they inhabit is fantastical, but part of coming of age is grappling with your own mortality and mortality of the people around you as well. Um, and it's just a fact of life. As you live your life, you are going to lose people that you care about. Um, and there's not always any rhyme or reason to it. It's not always fair, but it's something that happens. And when, when it does, you have to deal with it. You, you just do, you have to process it. You have to grieve. You can't do what the Aesop's did and just, you know, bury yourself in denial, um, or, or, or anything like that. You have to deal with it and you have to move on, um, like you have to give yourself time to grieve and process 
and then keep living for the sake of that person. Um, because, you know, again, that's just how life is. <laughs> that's just life, man. I think I'm going to pour myself another shot. <laughs> yeah, so we're all crying at this point. It's Yeah, great. we're all at the it's sidebar crying. Great. Yep, yep, yep. Yeah, no, that's all I have to say at that point. Just, yeah. Mark is right. This is something you get with you understand more with a little more lived experience. And uh, yep, we're gonna miss Penny a lot. That being said, I do think um, that as as a beautiful way to say goodbye to the character, if any character um, you know is gonna have a like is gonna have a, a great send off, I think this was a great send off. Um, having her goodbye begin with her saying salutations in the way that we met her. Um, I think that was a, a great way to start it. Um, do we have any uh, uh, final thoughts on the the um, the critique of this particular plot beat or what it means for Jean before we move on? Because I, I want to talk about winter next. Um, any final thoughts? I think I think we should just move on. Yep. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Let's talk about winter. Let's go back. Uh, because the episode actually kicks off with um, the the shot of Monstra as Salem's reconstituting herself, but then it immediately hard cuts to the fight going on between Winter and Ironwood. And we, we find some, um, we get some illuminating dialogue as the two go toe to toe. And that's Ironwood reiterating that he has sacrificed everything um, for the kingdom and that no one, no one has bothered to say thank you even just once. <laughs> and I, I, <laughs> I really do like that. He's like, nobody's grateful. Nobody said thank you. Um, while Winter is rightfully pointing out, like, you didn't actually sacrifice anything. And she just lays it all out for him. Like you, you basic, it was your choices that led us here and you didn't sacrifice anything. You sacrificed everything around you, but you yourself actually sacrificed nothing, um, which I think is a very valid perspective. Um, but ultimately he ends up getting the upper hand before what happened to, what happens to Penny happens and the fight gets interrupted. Um, and Penny and Winter have this absolutely beautiful one-on-one -on -one where um, Penny chooses Winter to be the successor of the Maiden Powers. And yeah, it's it's this beautifully beautiful scene. Absolutely excellent acting from from both actresses. Just absolute chef kiss. It's it's phenomenal. Um, yeah, what did we think of this passing of the torch? Let's start with Stacy. I don't think I'm ever going to be able to watch that scene without just sobbing. Um, it's not happening. It's what an absolutely beautiful moment between the two of them. And what an absolute celebration of Penny's entire arc and her entire emphasis on friendship and forming connections and seeing the best in people and nurturing that. So seeing this kind of culminate with Penny, who has kind of always been a shining delight throughout the series, um, with Winter, who has struggled and who recognizes that light in Penny, 
but doesn't always recognize it in herself and having Penny as one of her final acts, you know, reassure her and, and pass on this great power to someone deserving. Anyways, I'm just going to go back to my corridor where I'm crying. (laughs) (laughs) I, uh, the the celebration of friendship with Penny in this entire scene, both both in a way with Jean and with Winter here, was just so fitting of her and such a beautiful way to wrap up this arc. Yeah, I, I think Yeah, this is definitely the part of the episode that made me cry. <laughs> for sure. <laughs> it's fine. Um uh yeah, okay. Uh, Mark, how about you? Thoughts? <laughs> oh, whew, I was really hoping that you'd detour because I'm, I'm going. Um, I was going to say, we all need I can middle. toss to Katie. I can, I, I can do it. I well, no, no, no. I'm, I'm all right. I just want to say I spent the, enti- the entire time, Stacey, while you said your piece, I spent the entire time pointing aggressively at the computer because that's exactly it. You you absolutely nailed it, 100%. And adding to it, the fact that the last thing that we get to see is Penny smiling. <laughs> see, there I go. But um, at, at the same time, um, a lot of remarkable performances, this episode, this volume, this everything. But I have to connecting with my theme of mv schneeze elizabeth maxwell gave the performance of a flippin generation (laughs) and she does because she's ridiculously talented but um her o penny is something that is going to live unfortunately rent free in my head for a very long time but but the fact that we get this scene coupled with the credit song of friend leaves us with such as as you were putting in Stacy, such positivity and such a reminder of why this character was such forgive the term was such a beacon in this show and why everybody was so magnetized to her not just because she was a robot but uh, it, this the, all of this ev- everything like adding on to all of our talk about the the um, criticism this was a and i hope i'm not overusing this term too much just because the season was so good this was a master stroke oh my god i wholeheartedly agree elizabeth maxwell's performance absolutely incredible and mark mv schneeze that's fucking that is good, man that is not <laughs> our new shirt good. design but we gotta think about it <laughs> Uh, we should make that our new shirt. TM, TM, like, TM, TM, those, TM, TM. One of those athletic shirts with like the swoosh that goes along the bottom and we can incorporate the little. We'll figure it out. We'll figure it out. In there. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, if, yeah. If there's any, we have a lot of very talented artists. If anybody is particularly um, inspired by the term MV Schneeze, uh, reach out and we'll, we'll make something happen. That, uh, <laughs> we'll workshop it for sure. Um, Katie, how about you? Thoughts? Well, Stacy took my analysis and Mark took my puns, so I think that's about where I am right now. Did you now. really have MV Schneeze too? Because I thought that up like twenty minutes ago. No, you magnetized. Oh, okay. That, but that was all. That was all just <laughs> no. st- stuff that was like a lack of a better term. I know, but they were also masterful puns. So um... okay, I'll start dabbing when you go. Okay. <laughs> I'm doing no, it. I'm no. dabbing. Better get going. 
I appreciate you, Mark, and you, Stacy, and you, Megan. I appreciate, appreciate you all you lovely human beings. But this this is the sort of thing that I was talking about with why bring them back? Well, we're grateful for the extra time. We get things like this. We get to... When we lost Penny the first time, it was very much a painful, shocking scene. And this is also a painful, shocking scene. But we get this scene with Winter. We get her... She goes out on her terms. She is able to send the power on to someone that she has chosen, to someone that she is friends with, and able to have this last scene. And Kruby is able to give us, the audience, this last scene where we get to see her say salutations in that wonderful, happy way that we've come to know and love. Where we get to see her, again, go out on her terms. Like, I made this choice. You're the person... I'll be a part of you. Like the audience is also getting that little bit of reassurance. Penny is gone, but we are never going to forget her. And I appreciate that Kruby did this for us, as heartbreaking as it is. This, I think, was the perfect scene to end Penny's time in this story. A, a fantastic send-off for a beloved character. Yeah, I have to concur wholeheartedly with with all of that. Um, <laughs> I have poured myself another shot. Um, but yeah, the, what what's also interesting too, um, and Mark, you you touched on it a little bit earlier um, when you remarked of like all our team rubies ultimately going to become, you know, our maiden team. Like they're all going to become maidens, right? That's where we're going. Well, with this passing of the torch, what does that mean for winter? Uh, especially because um, once she uh, <laughs> she manages to to dispatch Ironwood fairly quickly um, and is able to make it into the fight with Cinder, um, but even though she is worthy, even though um, she is uh, extremely competent, even without the powers, um, in spite of everything, she is unable to save her sister and unable to save Jean. Um, ultimately, when Cinder gets a hold of the staff and decides to, to ask Ambrosius for what she desires him to create. Um, and so what, what do we think this means for winter going forward? Because, you know, we see her um, fail to save those people that she cares about and then enter the the gateway to vacuo um and and jump headlong into battle so like what what can we expect from winter moving forward let's start with katie well if there's one thing she learned from the aesops it's how to repress emotions in the line of duty (laughs) so i legit do think that's what we're going into here i think it's going to be a lot of i have this powers i have this responsibility and with things being the way they are right now, like she is not going to have that breakdown until she has the time and space to tell her mother and her brother what happened. And that we are either going to get something in-depth and terrible, or we're going to get like a wide shot where we just kind of see that happen, but don't get to hear any of the dialogue. Either way, that's going to be real painful. And that is next season, most likely, probably, I think. But yeah, no, I I don't see her handling this well at all because the Atlas military didn't really believe in 
emotional healthiness. Uh, but we've learned a lot. Um, you know, she's she's learned that the Atlesian military way of doing things isn't necessarily always the best thing for everybody. So how about you, Stacy? What do you think is next for winter? Well, we'll first have to deal with this fresh wave of sadness from the idea of a wide shot where we don't actually get to hear the conversation happening. Oof. That hurts a lot more than expected. Thanks, Katie. What can I say except... (laughs) (sighs) Yeah. Uh, And drinking my whiskey. Uh, Continue, Stacey. So I think it's a really good thing that uh, Winter processes guilt by becoming even more determined because that's going to come in really handy in the next, you know, near future, however long this battle in vacuo drags on. And we hope that she leans less on her military training and more on her friendship with Penny when finally sitting down to have a nice long in-depth chat with these emotions and feelings that have been thrust on her. But yeah, I do think there's going to be a lot of deflecting for a while and a lot of, well, this is the job and we're getting it done. And there's no room for anything else right at this exact moment. And that moment just keeps getting prolonged and prolonged and prolonged. (laughs) Because how else are we supposed to deal with feelings? (laughs) Uh, everything's fine (laughs) this is fine nothing is fine but we're getting through it again this is how we live our lives (laughs) mark how about you yeah i agree with all of that sentiment in the sense of i feel like we're gonna start to see echoes of ironwood essentially now that she is in the position that she has been training for her entire military career she might start to see stuff but depending on who she's around will they identify that sort of activity will they identify that behavior and how long until she can correct it Um, also the show's not called hey what's happening in vacuo it's (laughs) it's called ruby so i highly doubt that we're gonna see anything in vacuo next season Well, so we got to sit really... with these emotions for a while. Well, that makes me really sad because I really like those tiny little angry scorpion grim. I want to see more of those. My little death boys. Oh, what were the death boys called? I had them. I had them here. Damn it. Sulfur fish. Sulfur fish. Suppo- I, I, I have been sent a comment that they are called sulfur fish and that they are the winners of the grim or one of the winners of the grim design contest. I have not verified that myself, but so I, I can. like them. It was Please created do. it was created by Landon Ellis as the winning entry in the Full Sail University and Rooster Teeth Animations Grim Design Contest. They're cute little spider boys. Scorpio Scorpo boys. Them. I love them. They're horrifying. It's a real shame that a drop bear grim design didn't get uh, any sort of approval. That's a one percenter, and I hope any of that one percent did laugh. Katie, do you have a better joke? <laughs> uh- <laughs> Well, not when you put me on the spot, you smartass. Uh, Katie, honestly. make with the funny. <laughs> well, better than mine, Come dumbass. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Honestly, I'm just sitting here going, I read the novels. They talked about the grim that they have in the novels. 
where's my fucking crab dance, Grim? Where's the crab dance for Vecchio? Vecchio? I'm doing the crab people motions. Where are my camel, Grim? And where are my graboids? Come on, show. You gave me all these wonderful things in the novels, and now I want them. Show me the graboids. Guys, I I don't know. For for anybody who doesn't know, Katie and I are roommates. We've been roommates really? for, for 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 many a year now. And it I I think I don't think you guys understand how happy the stuff that she just said makes me because I I've been a horror movie fan for a long long time and for a long long time Katie's like I don't like horror movies and still is very much like I don't like horror movies because it's true <laughs> but to hear her reference graboids with affection and to look at the uh what are they called sulfurfish mm-hmm. to look at these little horrifying <laughs> abominations and go oh, I love them with the same enthusiasm that I look at monsters and, and you know horror movie villains it makes me very happy that's not a horror thing. That's an anime thing. I got you to watch Overlord with me. <laughs> Loving the tiny little murder boys, that's, that's not necessarily horror related. That's just me looking at a creature design and going, this is amazing. I'm terrified. Let's go. Like It's great because I don't have to deal with it. But if those existed in real life, I think I would phase into another dimension or fall through the world, I guess. We're, we're not there yet. Um, <laughs> but uh, to get back to what we were talking about, winter, um, I, I think you guys, I, I think it's a fair possibility to say that she would fall back on um, sort of the Atlesian way of doing things in terms of like, I have this responsibility and I have to put my duty um, that, uh, you know, that I've been given uh, ahead of all of my emotions and everything like that. But I would also like to point out that it's equally possible that that's not going to be the case. Even though she's suffered this devastating loss by being unable to save her sister, um, there's this point uh, right after she's been um, she she's received the the Winter Maiden powers. There's this moment in the fight with Ironwood before she immediately pieces out, where he goes, "Ah, so the the destiny that I." that I chose for you has finally come to pass. And she smacks that shit right down and goes, no, you didn't choose anything. This was a gift. And I think it's recognizing that the power that she's been given is just that. It was a gift from a dear friend. I think that's going to be the thing that keeps her from falling back into the I need to suppress the way I'm the ways that I'm feeling in order um, to fulfill my duty as the Winter Maiden. Maybe that's something she'll need to be reminded of somewhere down the line. But ultimately, I think it's the knowledge that this was a, a gift and Penny's choice um, to give it to her that she that will keep her from going down that path. Um, do we have any final thoughts on winter before we wrap things up with Salem and Cinder? I just still love her. I, I want to put Ride of the Valkyries over her entrance into Maiden Bowl 2021 Part 3, I think, at this point, because it was amazing. <laughs> I love her. And I want uh, either Into the Unknown or Show Yourself uh, added into <laughs> it because the yes. like solid Elsa vibes. Big, big mood. Oh, I love it. I mean, same hat, different style. <laughs> but yeah. I feel Tears like either way. 
(laughs) (laughs) Oh, yes. Yeah, we're all crying. Okay, so uh, now that we've touched on all that, let's talk about Cinder, because for the first time in a long time, evil wins. Um, Cinder (laughs) manages, she's got the lamp, she's got the staff, her enemies are, have either fallen into the abyss or are currently trapped in a fire. And uh, there's this moment where she heads over to the vault where, um, where Ironwood is still, he's still kicking. <laughs> um, he survived a direct hit from his Greek fire gun. So um, good on you, James, for, for continuing to truck along. Um, but yeah, he's, he's, barely barely functioning but he's still there um and that's when salem shows up and that's when cinder uh you know having maxed out her deception points on her character sheet um basically spins this yarn about how neapolitan managed to kill ruby but only after team ruby was like used the last question in the lamp and how sorry she is that she wasn't able to save their other allies and that, you know, the, the lamp no longer has the question for the rest of the, the, um, for the rest of the century and how she wasn't even able to obtain the other maiden powers. And she's just so, so sorry. And she worked so hard, but she's such a disappointment and puts on this fantastic act and Salem either buys it 100% or doesn't care that Cinder's lying. Uh, because at the end of the day, she's got the staff, she's got the lamp, and she still has the Fall Maiden. So, uh, you know, Salem seems to be okay with this outcome of having lost some valuable assets if it meant obtaining two out of four relics and keeping a maiden around. So what do we think about the this particular dynamic at where it's at in this point in time in the story? Like, Salem's not a fool. I feel like she can probably see through Cinder's deception and just doesn't care. But I don't know. That's just my take on the scene. What are your guys' thoughts? Let's start with Stacy. Honestly, I Cinder really has turned a new page with being able to uh, lie effortlessly like that. But I almost feel like Salem just doesn't care. <laughs> I don't know that it matters to her um, at this point. And I, I guess the way I look at it is Salem kind of needs someone like Cinder, who is very thoroughly human and very thoroughly corrupted to show the worst of humanity, right? This is something she wants to nurture, Cinder being the absolute worst example of a, you know, maxed out, deceptive, borderline monster to help her achieve her goal of ending the world. So I can see her absolutely nurturing this uh, very cunning side of Cinder. Granted, Cinder learned a thing or two, but not quite enough to keep her so-called allies in the fold. Oh, straight up. She's she's so petty. I think Salem totally respects the hustle. I think, I think, (laughs) like legitimately, I think it could be something of, okay, without 
it's sort of that thing where a boss or a teacher is trying to teach you something, but they don't tell you exactly what they want. <laughs> they like <laughs> they tell you one thing to try to get you to react a different way. I hate teachers like that. Just tell me what you want me to know. Why do you think Salem's the villain? <laughs> That's the true reason. Legit. Oh, there's no way that Salem fell for this little act. Like, there's no way that she just, oh, yes, it's absolutely fine. We've lost all of the people except for the two that we sent on the road trip. <laughs> you know, actual Mercury and crazy Uncle Terry. <laughs> We're going to start calling him actual Mercury now. <laughs> and I had to stop and go, wait, is that actually Mercury? Before my brain went, yes. Yes, it is. you're actually talking about Mercury. So she has left actual Mercury, crazy Uncle Tyrion, uh, Cinder, and herself. She lost her ride, but I guess she's her own ride. She lost Hazel. She lost Watts. She's not questioning that she lost Watts, which to me is a little wild. But I think that how we're seeing this at the end of this, Cinder is 100% certain that she has fooled Salem. And Salem 100% knows that she did not. Even if Salem doesn't know all the details, she's got to know that Cinder is messing with her. Just because the sheer amount of life experience that she has. Cinder has rolled up to the table going, you know, I have played two games of five card stud. I know exactly what I'm doing. And Salem has been playing Texas Hold'em longer than Cinder has been alive. And is like, sure, sit at the table. Show me what you know. Well, it's one of those Cinder does not know what she does not know. That's what the knowledge gap is. And I realize that's one of those weird sentences where you have to parse it about three different times. But she knows so little that she does not know where the gaps in her knowledge are. That's better. Whereas... Salem knows all, and it's awful. So yeah, I'm expecting this to just blow up in Cinder's face at some point, and I'm honestly expecting it to be whenever the idea of Watts shows up. Because Watts, at this point in time, could be saved. Salem could have pulled him out of there. We just got a smash cut to his silhouette, panicking and smashing a... a Wow, I lost the word chair. <laughs> I'm very tired and emotionally distraught. <laughs> Trying to smash out a window with a chair. Like, he could still be saved. But by not mentioning him, Cinder made sure that he wasn't. And also by putting another fire in the room with him, Cinder made sure that he wasn't. And I kind of wonder if that wasn't Salem just kind of laying a trap there going, Well, you gonna mention this guy? No? Cool, 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 cool. Great. Awesome. So yeah, I'm expecting this to blow up later. That's what I mean about respecting the hustle, is if you finally t stepped up and took care of Arthur Watts, maybe there's hope for you yet. <laughs> <laughs> kind of surprised you didn't drop him off that building earlier. <laughs> oh, and by the way, I totally saw that. <laughs> Just taking Chris Sabat off the payroll for Ruby after this. Like, sorry, dude. Like, for, for both Watts and Ironwood, there is a little bit of no body, no death. But honestly, if the impact didn't kill them, 
the water did. So yeah, this is uh Yep. Bye. Um yeah, there's oh. This is interesting. Like I I like seeing I like seeing Cinder level up. And I especially after seeing her just in spite of what it cost us as audience members, um I like seeing Cinder level up as a villain. Um, and what I also like is that now that we've been given her backstory and have played around with the idea of like, oh, maybe now that we understand her, maybe, you know, now that she's a little bit more layered, maybe there's a possibility that like things could change for her. And nope, she doubled down like so hard. And, and I, 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 do, I think it was, um, it was either Stacy or Mark who said that like, you know, like knowing what we know about her now and seeing the opportunities that she had to change, seeing her remain the same person is absolutely incredible. And it's going to be very interesting to see our, our team go head to head with this character, um, now that we completely understand her and now that like seeing the uh, opportunities that she had to change um, and understanding why the way she is like there's going to, it's going to be a much more emotionally impactful um, clash the next time all these characters are together. And, you know, potentially it's going to be super satisfying when we see this character who's done so many awful things to characters that we love finally get her long-deserved comeuppance. Dude, Megan, she's going to go up against an army of ex-girlfriends and they're all going <laughs> to just absolutely annihilate her. <laughs> it's going to be amazing. <laughs> like she keeps pissing off powerful people. It's going to get to a point where like Salem's going to be like, yeah, I didn't want to tell you, but you, you kind of suck. kind of one of those like nah nah we leave her to the hyenas for this one oh cinder i'm sure you can solve your own problems yo okay mom <laughs> push that bird out of the nest after breaking her wings for her bye oh boy yep yeah uh, that would be funny if um, Cinder ended up thinking that she got the better of Salem in one way or another. And Salem was like, oh, freely you receive. <laughs> I'm just going to go ahead and take back my stuff now. Um, see, uh, see, how you, see how you fend for yourself without the leg up that I've provided you. Final question for the night, guys. Um, after the credits we get this moment where we see Crescent Rose on the shore of a beach and we get to see, as the camera pans up, this giant tree. Where did our heroes end up? And what is in store for them? Um, what lies ahead for this, as as um, the writers seem to have been referring to it, this detour season, this... Um, volume where everybody, <laughs> every everybody on the creative team seems really excited about this volume, this upcoming volume for how different it's going to be before we head on over to Vacuo. So, guys, we've got Jean, Neo, 
a handful of NPCs, and Team Ruby. What comes next? Let's start with Mark. So just so everybody has a, a sense of, uh, like, a, like a reference, there was a, I believe it was an online panel at GalaxyCon where Miles mentioned that this was the volume he was most excited about. Uh, and like in a volume that everybody has been excited about since before volume one came out and described it as quote, different and interesting, a new flavor and new adventures, which is bonkers and crazy. But um, the second, the second that the tree showed up, I, my first thought was that's where Nora's from. One. Oh. 100% especially since we got the little bit of a tag in um in the conversation between her and Ren about being abandoned by her mom as they were running away which tells like we don't we don't know where Nora is from and they haven't been talking about it and I know that Sam has been very excited to find out <laughs> and and we've all been excited to find out but as Katie has been referencing and calling the tree Yggdrasil. I see rainbows. I see giant tree. I think Norse. And I, and so that's why my first thought immediately was, this is where Norse from. And the thing that would make me sad about it is Nora not being present for it. Um, but it may be a situation of, yeah, Nora knew that she lived, that she's been here, which is if, if this is the case, I hope, that is the case but um regardless i think i i'm if the writers are excited i'm excited and somebody that we that we haven't mentioned too much this season was uh kiersey burkhart like we have we have mentioned her when when she's been like the lead writer of an episode but i don't think this season is what it is without her and she did a phenomenal like the whole writing team was phenomenal and with that in mind i'm very interested <laughs> um but i also think that this is a season where we are going to stay on this island and we are not going to see anything until we leave the island like ah that was an interlude now let's let's catch up with the world as it is going with that could you imagine if we met nora's mom i i could but it sounded like she died so I would say Nora's dad, and he's exactly like her. Thora and Nora. <laughs> yeah, also voiced by Sam Ireland. <laughs> I'll take it. Yes. <laughs> I'm just I'm just trying to imagine what the, the Ruby version of Odin would be. And I really like what I'm picturing. <laughs> um, Stacy, how about you? That opens up so many, so many new options. Oh. Well, that's my entire train of thought just now. I'm so sorry. Odin and Ruby. <laughs> um, no, no, it's fine. I will. I will get there. Um, I am also very excited about this. This, this for me is where Into the Unknown starts blaring because what? What? <laughs> I don't know. I have like ten different things it could be. Are we in Wonderland? Are they in some kind of purgatory? Are we going to have to like survive in the wilderness, or is it going to be far more like? Hi, words. I'm just more like <laughs> metaphorical than that. Are they going to have to face like facets of their past? I have 
really no idea what to expect from this. And I'm so excited about it. It's been so fun theorizing all of the possibilities, even the ones that go really horrible, scary, dark places. Um, however, I do have a, I do have a theory that I think holds up and is probably the most true. Um, and it explains why Ambrosius was, was giving them this dire warning of don't fall. Um, and that's because it's actually the vacation island of the God of Light. And Ambrosius just knows that if they land there and crash his vacation, he is going to be insufferable. God damn it, Stacy! you took my idea. <laughs> oh, that was exactly what I was... Ah, fine, I'll have to go with my secondary bit. But yes, that. Yes, that. <laughs> so in lieu of not knowing anything, that is my standing theory and that is how it's going to be. I think that's fair. <laughs> yeah, Megan can vouch. I had a reaction when you said that. Um, so I think they're going to be stuck on the island for seven seasons, maybe eight. And How? then it turns out it was purgatory the entire Dare time. Dare you. No there may not be a monster made of smoke. <laughs> no I... ruby redux. I like it. Thank you. Because you just took my bit. <laughs> Well, now you have to take Mark's bit? Damn it. <laughs> it's like we're at the bit tea party and we're all changing feet and we're moving down and, and changing all sorts of things. I don't know what to expect. You're mad, sir. We're all mad here. I am pretty angry, but you know. <laughs> all right. Yeah, no, we're all devastated. Uh, yes, we're fine here. How are you? Yeah, no, I'm, at the moment, I'm sticking with Yggdrasil. I'm sticking with, we have fallen through the world and reached its center, whether this is physical or metaphorical, or we're all going to get spat out into a desert and vacua once we all have some life and character affirming realizations, who knows? But for now, I saw a giant tree, I'm sticking with Yggdrasil, and I hope that we run into Ratatosk, that would be amazing. Yeah, uh, upon seeing the tree, um, Yggdrasil was my first thought. My second thought was a uh, great Deku tree, maybe? I don't know. Um, yeah, there's there's a lot that we could go into here. And I feel like all of these are, are very, I think these are all fair. Um, as, like, I have ideas about what I think think might happen but I also have you know ideas of like oh what do I want to happen while they're in this new realm and um yeah it 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 is interesting and I love that we have uh we've got I both love and hate that we have so much time to sort of ponder uh the possibilities um what I think is going to be at the heart of this whole endeavor though is regardless of what the circumstances are seeing how our characters get out of it and seeing how they react to news of Penny's loss and seeing how all of these characters 
um, whether or not they're all together, they might all be in different areas and might have to come together individually. Like they might all have, they might not get back together until the end of the volume. Um, like when all of our characters split, split up at the end of volume three, it took a while for them to all get back together. So they might all oh. have to go undergo their own labyrinthian <laughs> challenges. Go ahead, Mark. Megan, I don't know why this was the idea that you sprung in my head. What if this season is a season-long Ember Island Players-esque retelling <laughs> of the entire series up to this point? Well, now I think you're on to something. There is a line between genius and madness, and I think that you just zigzag over that at the speed of light and and if i may add to you that previous comment there's a there's a fine line between uh, genius and insanity and um i'm available for hire so there is that <laughs> i mean legit yep hire this man hire this man to write for you yes absolutely um, so yeah, there are a lot of possibilities. I, I definitely like the idea of Wonderland for sure. Um, but yeah, they Wonderland seems to be like the go-to um, idea, but it's also entirely possible that we're in for something completely different. Um, and kind of on that note, um, we actually did have a, another question. Uh, Mark, uh, is the one that you put in the yes, Discord? Yes, it is. Okay. I, I, I've, I've still got it. I did want to throw one more thing uh, oh no, the 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 Alice in Wonder like why does this why does this have to be Alice in Wonderland? What I, I jumping off of the theory that I had for no reason, but I wanted to state last episode. What if this is the trial world that the this is the first world that the gods made, and just designs are all over the place. They were just throwing like organisms at the wall to see what sticks, and we're just gonna and and it could be like an Alice in Wonderland sort of a thing. But in universe, what if this is the first world, and and baby's that's why. Mi- oh, sorry. Yeah, ba- baby's first Minecraft server. Um, baby's first Minecraft oh. mod. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yep. So, that was it. So what if so what if in universe this is what that is, um, but the the question that we were asked by Super Monoman again thank you for your comment thank you for your review go to iTunes leave us a review was do you think where Team Ruby Jean and Neo are is an Alice in Wonderland situation or an afterlife if it is an afterlife which characters that we've lost would you want to see come back. I gotta say, I'm not super fond of the afterlife theory myself, and I think possibly it's because I've seen way too many like, oh, this this one's actually children's media. Oh, the kids are actually dead, or the kids are in a coma. Or, uh, too many grim dark theories overlaid over media that is either grim dark enough on its own or was never meant to be. So I personally am not super fond of this theory in general. I would love to see Pyrrha again, but that's me. But also, I just, I feel like an afterlife would be a step back instead of a step forward. And then we also have, okay, so we got to figure out a way to cheat death to get our main characters back. I appreciate it as a thought exercise, but logistically, I'm not super fond of it. Uh, it my, my answer is 
very much dependent on whether or not the character is actually dead, because the first thing that popped into my mind was Summer Rose. Again, that's a big if. (laughs) That's Summer Rose question mark (laughs) next to it. Um, But I think that could make for some really interesting character interactions if if that is in fact the case um but yeah that's that's just my two cents uh stacy what do you think so i also don't necessarily think they're in the afterlife i don't think that falling is equatable to death um in quite that way i think that there are sometimes things worse than death that they might have to face down here Um, So if this isn't some kind of primordial world where their challenges are physical, you know, very warped representations of what ended up becoming the world, then I think maybe it is more of like a journey that they're going to go on. So while it's not the afterlife, I do actually kind of think that they might run into some of these faces from their pasts, especially since the characters that fell, especially the two that fell with team ruby have some very big and influential characters in their pasts that have died so to kind of bring them all to a place where they have to confront different facets of their past and figure out how to move past that would be a really interesting way to kind of bring about their next step down in this world I think that's a really good perspective on it. Mark, how about you? I, yeah, I don't necessarily think that this is this is an afterlife. I think primordial, 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 but also, what if what if instead of afterlife, this is pre-life? Mm. And and I, I had a thought of, so I thought of I. There's the thing where. Like some animes do, like uh, an, an Alice in Wonder, like a themed episode where it takes on the aesthetic of another popular piece of media, and you see characters pop up as like the March Hare or uh, or the Mad Hatter or the Queen of Hearts or whatever. That and... Oron episode is fantastic. <laughs> yes, it is. Here, here. Oh uh, boy, um, uh, comedy. Who would have thought? Um, but what if, what if, similar to Grimm we meet a different creature that is created from different emotions. So like the grim are drawn to feelings of negativity, um, loneliness, hatred, like big spikes like that. But what if, what if there are other creatures similar to like the apathy that, but were maybe not necessarily positive, but what if, what if this was like, a trial run for like a creature of light or something. And through that and through certain, I don't know, I'm, I'm really just throwing stuff at the wall, but I'm like this, if, if we are truly, if this next season is a departure, then we can, we, we can be ready for anything, everything and nothing. So (laughs) I think this time in between now and whenever we see a glimpse of what volume nine is going to be, I think will be a fun time to uh, prognosticate responsibly. So you want the, we got the heartless. You want the nobodies now. Um, I mean, I wouldn't necessarily like the nobodies are, are more nebulous. I would, I would say maybe more 
like the uh, the Dream Eater buddies that Sora has in Dream Drop Distance, where there's still sort of a there's still sort of a character and a representation of a certain idea, but it's more positive than negative. Yeah, I kind of love that. Um, and I feel like it could go one of two ways. Either they have a powerful new tool to fight the Grim, or somehow these creatures of positivity are worse. <laughs> <laughs> You've heard of toxic positivity. Things that don't allow you to process negative emotions. I Boy, that sounds rough. I, I, I think it's going to be very... In- Sorry, Stacey, did I just cut you off? No, no, no. Go ahead. Um... I think it's going to be very interesting speculating about what this next volume of Ruby is going to be in the wake of whatever world building we get from the fairy tale, from the fairy tale series that's going to be coming out. Um, Because I think it's very possible that we might get the fairy tale of the girl who fell through the world. Um, You know, that the fairy tale that we've been talking about for, the, the latter half of this entire volume, um, that's something that we've kept coming back to. So it's going to be very interesting if we actually get to hear the story proper and then whether or not that's going to change our perspectives and theories on what we've been shown of this part- this part of the world so far. Um, I do like, I do like everything we've postulated, um, uh, yeah, it's it's going to be interesting. Um, yeah. Uh, okay. We've been going for a while now. Do we have any final thoughts on what's to come and on this finale as a whole? Because it, it certainly was a lot to unpack. Um, both the, the, the well-crafted and the emotionally devastating aspects of it. Um, but yeah, this... This was an absolute pleasure to get to talk about. Final thoughts. Uh, let's start with Mark. I mean, to echo the sentiment that's been on social media this whole time. Thank you, Kruby. Every single person. Like, I know I know people watch the credits to get to the end of the credits to, to watch the post-credit scene. But I really hope that everybody took a chance to note how many names and how many people are responsible for giving us the masterful volume that we all were able to enjoy and talk about on the show and and really bring people together you know we we talked about discord earlier we've been seeing so many more people join and that means there's more discussion it's more lively and we're learning more about this community whether it's people that worked on the show whether it's people that enjoy the show whether it's people that talk about the show and react to the show i think this volume did a lot to push ruby as a whole ruby as a concept ruby as a show ruby as a property ruby as an ip forward in a a very very positive way and i can only imagine not just in the case of volume nine but i i can only imagine what they'll be able to do from this jumping off point moving forward. Thank you, Kruby. Thank you, everybody involved. Thank you, everybody who, who's been listening and joining in the conversation. And um, yeah, we're, we're so grateful. I'm so grateful. I don't want to speak for everybody, but I'm, I'm so grateful that, that we've had this opportunity and I, I can't wait to see what's next. Here, here.
Stacy, how about you? All of that and just a huge like bravo to everyone involved in this volume and to everyone who has been around, you know, talking and reacting and all the people that we are going to get to postulate with over the next several months and just read theories and, and we've been given so much and we have so many directions that we can go in. This volume was spectacular on all fronts, uh, storytelling, animation, acting, just coming to fruition with ideas has just been so wonderful to experience. And uh, this was quite the finale, uh, one that I, well, at least myself, will not be able to watch dry-eyed for mm, probably ever. Uh, so <laughs> say a huge thank you for putting all of the time and love and craft into this series. Thank you, Kruby. That's, that's what I have for this volume. There have been so many amazing, game-changing things in here. I remember at one point... I think it was yesterday or looking at things and someone mentioned the hound and I had the mo a moment of the hound was this volume. Oh my God. Everything was this volume, everything. And it was incredible. This has been very tightly paced, very well executed. We've talked more than once about how difficult it is to have a character arc that not only takes in the character's, the character's base personality, their development up to this point, and the events as they are occurring, but also makes it believable. For Ironwood, we believed that things could go either way for him for the longest time. It was a coin flip, and either option was believable. That is incredibly difficult to do. We've pointed out more than once areas where, who storyboarded this? I need to know so I can go throw all of my applause at them because this bit was amazing. This was so well-framed. Did you see the lighting here? Did you see the storyboarding here? Like, there have been so many... I don't think we've had a volume like this where I've just sat here not only pointing out the story pieces, but also pointing out the individual technical pieces and going, yes, this, yes, this, see how all of these fit together. Yes, good. It's so, so incredibly well executed. And the fact that it was done in the year of our Lord 2020 and 2021, where it is difficult to get out of bed some days, is absolutely unbelievable and speaks to Kruby's passion for Ruby, for this show, for this IP, for everything it encompasses and for the fans. So thank you, Kruby, because this was such a gift. Yeah, I just, not to sound like a broken record, but I have to reiterate that just thank you again to the entire cast and crew for a spectacular volume. Um, I think it's the darkest volume to date, and but it's not just dark for the sake of being dark. I, I like that there's substance behind it. Um, I very much appreciated the, the highs and lows that we got this volume. I like the, the reveals. I like all of the payoff for a lot of stuff that's been building up for multiple volumes. I liked the character development that we didn't that we got for, our, not just our, our heroes, but also our villains. We got multiple 
villain, um, the culmination of uh, multiple villain arcs uh, in this particular volume. And yeah, this this finale was just it. It was the perfect capstone to what is probably the best volume of Ruby to date. But this volume is also as good as it is because it builds upon the foundation of the volumes that came before it. And it's just, it's so well-crafted. So, you know, even though it hurt me, (laughs) I can't say thank you enough um, to everybody who got to work, who, who, who worked on this show again, not only who, who works on this show, because we always are extremely grateful to the entire cast and crew every year that we get this show, but for being able to, deliver this show uh, to the quality that we have come to expect from this team during the year of our Lord COVID, whatever, whatever. I I don't know what year it is anymore. I don't know what time is, but they kept, they, they overcame the, the challenges that this past year presented um, to everybody uh, and, you know, people in production, um, it's been very difficult for people in production. Um, and this team managed to do a spectacular job in spite of the circumstances. And yeah, I just, I can't say thank you enough, um, for, for, for not only delivering a great story, but for doing it uh, during such a rough, rough time in the world. So thank you, Kruby. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And I think on that note, um, <laughs> let's go ahead and wrap it up for the night. Mark, where can people go if they want to keep up with you? You can find me at Mark Budonica on Twitch, Instagram, and Twitter. That is where you will see me retweeting uh, a very important communique from Marine HQ. Uh, yeah, the, the Cruno Pirates and I, we've been dealing with some Marine backlash when it comes to um, us trying to sail in the Grand Line. It's been a rough couple of weeks but i think we'll finally be able to make some ground so if you want to hear about the upcoming one piece project that i'm working on with uh molly flood al mcclelland kate and jensen please make sure to follow me on those uh on those social media accounts because it will be all that i'm going to be talking about in order to make myself feel better from the sad sad state that i've been in from uh thinking about this wonderful season of ruby and um, thank you. Thank, thanks, everybody. Y'all rule. Y'all are amazing. Stacy, I'm Stacy Shuttleworth. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Stacy Shuttles. Lately, I have been knee deep in beads, uh, you know, combining two of my favorite things, jewelry making and being a giant fangirl. So I'll be talking about the bead making or jewelry making process and beading process as I make a series of Hades inspired jewelries and who knows what else? So you can keep up with me there and follow along to see how those creations go. Katie? I'm Katie. You can follow me all over the social medias as well as on YouTube and Twitch at Kiaxe. That is K-I-A-X-E-T. If you like reaction videos to Ruby, to Rooster Teeth stuff, to other things, they live on that YouTube channel. If you want to see us cry on camera, that will be uh, that'll be available soon enough. I am also on an Overwatch and Overwatch League podcast called On The Point. We have been on hiatus because the League is also on hiatus, but uh, 
We're going to come back soon enough and talk about this absolutely bug nuts off season and the matches as they start on April 16th. So tune in. Good times. And I'm Megan Salinas. You guys can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at the Menguin. That's T-H-E-M-E-N-G-U-I-N. I have a YouTube channel called Silver Screams where Katie and I talk about horror things. And I'm, uh, I also host a no, <laughs> I also host a Lost Retrospective podcast called No Love Lost. It's not a No Love Lost retrospective <laughs> where my co-host Will Link loves Lost and I don't. And we talk about it. Be sure to follow the whole team at the rooster team uh join our discord in the description below uh we recently re reorganized all of our threads in there so please go check it out and if you're a member but you haven't checked it out in a long time like i said we reorganized everything so go give it a look um you can support us by buying merch at our tea public store again we're gonna have some cool stuff coming up so be sure to keep an eye on it if you're not already and be sure to support our sponsor fred and we have one final announcement before we wrap up for the night as always we end with the important stuff wear a mask we are still in we're still in a pandemic you guys things are still a little wild wearing a mask protects other people a lot and protects you a little bit and protecting other people a lot is kind of the point it is an act of basic human compassion wear a mask and when you are eligible and if you are able get vaccinated do both things both things are necessary support your essential workers be patient with your essential workers be kind to your essential workers they don't get the option to stay at home to work, and they are dealing with people for whom basic human compassion isn't necessarily a priority. So be good to them, because basic human compassion, they are human beings and they deserve it. In the same vein, be kind to your postal workers. The post office is still suffering shenanigans, and just be patient, be kind. Yes. Black lives matter. Black LGBTQIA lives matter. Black trans lives matter. Black lives matter. AAPI Lives Matter. That hasn't changed. That's not going to change. Black Lives Matter. AAPI Lives Matter. Contact your representatives. If you like what they're doing, say so. Be detailed. If you don't like what they're doing, say so. Tell them what you want them to do instead. They are supposed to be representing you, and they can't do that if they don't know what you want. So contact them, email, phone call, text, fax if you're a fax person, if you're, you're into that, cool. All of those are equally valid, and make sure you vote in all of the elections that you are eligible to vote for. Check your voter registration and make sure you vote, even if it's something local that you don't think will affect you, like the school board election if you don't have kids. It's still important to do your research and to vote, because the change that you want happens at the local level and then goes up. So, make sure you vote. Black Lives Matter. AAPI Lives Matter get vaccinated, wear a mask, and take care of each other because that is the only way we're going to get through this basic human compassion. Take care of each other and remember that we love you. Thank you all so, so much for listening. This has been Ruby Redux, and now it's time to say goodbye. <laughs>